0: Welcome back to Geeks and Grounds, a monthly game club where we play games and brew good conversation together.
1: I'm Joel Thomas.
0: And I'm Jenny Wyndham, And I'm excited for Black Forest (laughs) Ghetto.
1: I'm excited for Fluffy Cat deep Dive in Space.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm ready. We we've been playing a Space for the Unbound this month, and it's been very fun.
1: Yes. Uh really enjoying it. Hopefully you got to catch our interview with one of the, the creative director mm-hmm. earlier, I think two weeks ago. Uh it's been really fun getting to play this game and dive in.
0: Oh my gosh, space dive in. I'm I have two more weeks, or I guess the time of this recording, one more week for, for that joke to have its moment, and then I can retire it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I say the word dive, I always am like, space. <laughs> space dive.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> makes right sense. Right
0: beforehand. But yeah, how how are you doing this week, Joel?
1: It has been a good week to be playing a game about uh, high school angst, uh, just based on half things that happening in my own personal life. I listened to some old, like, dashboard confessional emo oh. music on the drive over here oh, today. yes. I am in the mood to talk about high school feelings and the bigness of them
0: (laughs) yeah high school feelings were really big i had a lot of feelings that did not know where to go when i was in high school and they were just and i did i was just a weird kid and so they came out in very weird ways like oh man the kids these days don't really make mixtapes they make playlists now (laughs) but the mixtapes and the burn cds i would make to convey my feelings to no one in particular just myself oh my gosh it was (laughs) I need to find those. <laughs> I
1: don't think you want, I don't think you want I to. I found like a, a massive CD wallet from my high school days oh, and had a gosh. bunch of my burn CDs and I was listening to it and I was like, basically like think Tony Hawk pro skater. And then like, Evolve one step beyond that and that was like the entire great except for like it was badly burned from like (laughs) bad like lime wire downloads. I think someone in the Discord was talking about their own Mm -hmm. uh their own MP3 experiences back in the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which honestly, if we're talking like internet savvy, I feel like at least from our age group and generation, we learned a lot of media and internet savvy by having to download, we didn't have to, by downloading music and movies and clips and things from Napster, LimeWire, all of those torrent sites. Yeah. I had
1: kind of a shocking moment. I went to like an emo night mm-hmm. here at one of like our local clubs uh, like a couple <laughs> months back. And they played a bunch of songs that I did not know. And I thought I was pretty steeped in the emo screamo scene. Yeah. But I thought back and I was like, This was back during the the days of CDs. And if you didn't have the CD and your friend didn't have the CD, there really was no way to access Mm -hmm. that music. And so I guess it's like, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. But yeah, it was like a whole world of music that I had no idea existed that apparently was very popular.
0: That's amazing. Well, now you can go back and like rediscover all of that.
1: Yeah, but I can't remember the names of any of the bands. No. (laughs)
0: No.
1: uh what do you bring into the to the grounds this week
0: oh man uh, work has been pretty wild this week we have a game launching as of this recording day in 10 days so that's a really big deal uh Oof. i'm really excited about it we've had a little bit you know reviewing um sending out keys before a game is launched means you're sending out a build that is maybe not quite done. So Mm -hmm. people are playing a game that still maybe has a few patches needed, still needs a few little tweaks and, you know, adjustments to make it perfect for consumer purchase Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so um, we're in the midst of that and all of those final fixes and getting things ready and perfect as perfect as we can for folks to play uh, which is both exciting and stressful
1: (laughs) important reminder for all of you at home uh, Jenny works in games And I'm your casual person. That's like a stand in for people that are kind of like, wait, did I even do the puzzle that you guys are
0: talking about?
1: That's that's what I'm bringing to the conversation.
0: No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) You are totally not a stand in. You are proficient at games. You are a capital G gamer. We're retaking that term.
1: And if you are listening to this, you are, too.
0: Yeah. We're all gamers. Yeah. We're not going to, we're going to, we're going to take that word back. <laughs> I feel like there's a negative <laughs> connotation and I'm like, no. I don't know that I,
1: I want the word back. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> That's true. Oh boy. Um, but
0: yeah, we both got, well, we we're, we're, we brewed the coffee from the first Yes,
1: week. we had it. Okay. We know it's bad practice to be drinking grounds okay, that are like well, a month old.
0: You know what? But, uh, i just i don't care it's still coffee it's still tasty i'm still excited about it
1: perhaps more important than what we're drinking is how we're drinking it let's, let's a little okay. zoom in here oh
0: my gosh
1: we're talking about cats today y'all yeah. so we, we got have, cat mugs
0: for folks who are listening to the podcast version not watching the youtube version we just held up our cat mugs uh i've got just an assortment of cats Faces. It's like on Art it.
1: Deco cat.
0: Yeah.
1: Mine like, is straight Hello Kitty. So is very, very uh, good. <laughs> hopefully you all have your mugs. You're ready to dig in with us today. Uh, we're excited to talk about the space, a space for the unbound.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, are we going to do a cheers? Oh, we should do a cheers. We Should do a cheers.
1: <laughs> oh, that was. I hope that's a satisfying sound for those of you listening to our cups yeah, clink, our that, ASMR
0: that uh, portion of. He would like for you to enjoy no. the sound of our cups clink 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 clink. <laughs>
2: you just. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm not an ASMR person. I mean, I mean, I, as in like, I don't know how to do it. So yeah. uh, I'm here to talk about games today.
0: Me too. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about a space for the Unbound. Um, if you could quickly bring us in and intro, uh, what what is this game for anyone who may not be familiar with it?
1: Yes. Allow me to read just a very quick synopsis. Uh, high school is ending And the world is ending with it. A Space for the Unbound is a slice of life adventure game that tells a story about overcoming anxiety, depression, and the relationship between a boy and a girl with supernatural powers. Follow two high school sweethearts, Atma and Raya, on a journey of self-discovery at the end of their high school years. When a mysteriously supernatural power is suddenly unleashed, threatening their existence, they must explore and investigate their town to uncover hidden secrets, face the end of the world, and perhaps learn more about each other. Set in small town inspired by 90s era rural Indonesia, a space for the unbound presents an endearing story driven experience with a vibrant environment waiting to be explored it's coming from toge productions Mm -hmm. and mojiken studios yep uh and just came out in january of 2023 so this is a relatively new game if you haven't had a chance to dive in
0: space <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Before we hop into the mm-hmm. bulk of the podcast, uh, just a few housekeeping details. Uh, this is a discussion of the entire game. So we are going to go from top to bottom, diving into the plot, the themes, connections that we made, things we loved, things we didn't love. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to share our thoughts with you. Um, with that being said, you mentioned in the synopsis, there are There are heavy themes this game approaches, anxiety, depression, uh, lots of struggles that for some folks may be more challenging to listen to and think about than others. So we encourage you to uh, take a look at geeksandgrounds.com slash this month's brew. You can click on the game itself and see a list of content, full content warnings Mm -hmm. um, that go into a lot of more specific detail. But if you know you are sensitive to any of these topics, or you find yourself thinking um, that you may need to get some help or struggle as you're listening to it, please also check out the resources that we've linked uh, in the description of this podcast or in the video uh, if you're watching on YouTube.
1: Yeah. And actually, I think um, I'm going to call back to the last podcast where we interviewed Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dimas. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how they actually had a therapist on staff as a part of this game. And I don't know, uh, for those of you playing the game, maybe you felt like and that that are maybe also in therapy as I was playing through, I was like, oh, oh I'm seeing uh, a lot of the things my therapist talks to me about being said to me right now in this video game. So uh, hopefully I think we'll probably dig into that a bit. But I think just to be very clear, like very heavy topics, but I think mm-hmm. they handled them with a, a high degree of of grace uh, yeah. considering like where we are today in 2023 and mm-hmm. what we know about about how to deal with these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as someone who has hopped onto the therapy train playing this game, uh, I was I replayed it. Um, and when I was replaying it, that's when I started up therapy. And I was just like, oh, 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 ooh. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot. Um, and even before, it was super impactful. Um, so yeah, I think this, let's get into it. It's time to get started with the game.
1: The prologue.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: Okay, what were some of your thoughts as you were, like, getting into the game at the beginning? What were some Mm -hmm. of the things that stood out to you?
0: I mean, the immediate reaction is this is a beautiful game. Mm -hmm. The pixel art is crisp and stunning. It feels like I'm in a pixel art anime. You know, I just, I wanted to be in this world. Uh, I immediately loved the two characters of Atma and Nirmala. I just, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. about them... Just the relationship they have, the friendship they have was so charming to me. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know how they became friends, uh, how they started writing this fairy tale together. And just I wanted to be their friend. I thought this was a really lovely place to kick off our journey.
1: I totally agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's interesting as well, the... You don't really learn much about Atma in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You just know he's friends with Nirmala. He's supportive. You are playing as Atma as the mm-hmm. that's the character that you are playing as as the player, um, and you're running around. You're like, oh, I'm going to help this little girl write this story and. Yep you encounter a really intense moment with her dad that, uh, made my stomach clench and immediately took me back to some of that, like childhood fear when you have like a really angry parent in the house. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, they let, you know, upfront the type of emotional, Mm -hmm. uh, experiences that you can expect to have.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, but through most of the game, uh, there's, you don't learn anything about Atma. You don't learn about who he is, about his background, uh, he wakes up after this, like, prologue with no memory.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and one of the things that Dimas said in the, the last interview is that he really wanted Atma to feel like the stand-in for you, the mm-hmm. gamer, which I thought was, like, a really interesting way to do that.
0: Yeah, I I really liked it. And it, it was intriguing because the whole time you're thinking Atma has been – like, he is a person who has been in this village. Why does he not remember certain mm-hmm. things? Why do certain mm-hmm. people – not really remember him uh and so there is a lot of mystery and elements throughout the game as you start playing where you realize things don't quite add up and you can't really put your finger on it and i love that because uh I love that when it's followed through, I guess. In a lot of games or media, what will happen is some of the mystery will crop up throughout and you don't really get a solid answer. And what I'm excited about is that I do think Space for the Unbound gives answers to the questions that you have throughout your playtime.
1: I agree. Yes. And I also think they insert some intentionally misleading things in the prologue to really throw you off the trail yes so i before as we were prepping for today i took a ton of screenshots I think I had like 200 screenshots from the, <laughs> the games i was playing through it this is not like a super long game it's like what 10 hours or yeah. something like that and i was going through them and i found there's a, a piece of dialogue in the opening prologue you're like mm-hmm. talking to a woman who's reading a newspaper and she says looks like the world is gonna end soon Conf- in, in my opinion I think they are setting us up to identify there is a literal end to the physical world that is coming.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then they keep tying in like these doomsday presentations throughout the whole thing. And so they do a good job of like making it seem like this is beyond just like the psychology of characters. Like there is a physical world that is coming to an end Mm -hmm. and that is being addressed. I think it's a really clever way to
0: it is. Well, and I mean, I think folks who have maybe walked around a city, um, you see people who mm-hmm. are the callers on the corners of streets that are talking about the end of the world. And so as a player, you know, if you're just kind of thinking and you have no reason to not think deep, more deeply about it, you're just like, yeah, I guess, you know, this is. This is just what you see in a city. And so I didn't even think twice when some of these references and some of these things were put up at the start. And then at the end of the game and even going back and replaying it, I'm just like, oh, they, everything is there for you at the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and there is one detail, but I'll save it for when we kind of go through chronologically because we didn't talk about one thing that you get in the prologue that's so important to the game. And that is this magic red book.
2: Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The
1: the principal mechanic of the game. Yeah. Please, Jenny, tell us about the, the red book. <laughs>
0: so, um, at the very beginning of the game, Nirmala and Atma are working on a story. And Nirmala says that... That she's stuck. She's unable to continue and she doesn't know where she wants it to go. And she says to Atma, hey, there's this magic red journal. If you go grab it, maybe we can, I think something along the lines of figure something out. And Atma grabs the journal and basically it provides him the power to be able to space dive uh, into someone's mind. And see their innermost anxieties, fears, whatever is on their mind at the Mm -hmm. moment causing them struggle, angst, or confusion.
1: Yeah, and I think the additional layer that we learned about is like an intentional representation when it's like a, a character uh, in PC or PC is having a hard time making a decision between two things.
0: Right. And what I love, and I oh my gosh, it's so good. Because every time you space dive, you encounter mm. flowers, and you encounter two colors. You encounter blue and you encounter yellow. And as we play the game, I noticed, and we'll dive into exactly what they mean. Space. We'll space dive into this. Um, <laughs> but there are certain points in time where the blue flowers bloom, and there's certain points in time where the yellow flowers bloom. Did you notice that?
1: You're totally right. I, I remember noticing that there was a difference. Sometimes it was blue, sometimes it was yellow. Yeah. I never made a connection that there was a reason for Ooh,
0: that. Oh, there is such a reason. And it is so good. And you don't know really what's going on until about mid game, mid to late game. And I love that they have all of these pieces that, again, are happening. And you just don't know exactly what you're like. Atma, you don't know what's going on. But you know something's happening. And so as you help Nirmala through, uh, you you dive into her mind. You help her work through her writer's block Mm -hmm. um, through suggesting a possible ending for the story. And yes, I see. I I have a shocked
1: look on my face because um, it's this idea that in the prologue I didn't even remember that one of the first people you dive into that you space dive into is <laughs> Nirmala it really sets the tone for the mechanic to be used the rest of the game uh because of, like what's what is actually happening. what's actually happening like the meta narrative of this yes. game I had not made that connection until this exact yes. moment what incredible
0: it's so good <laughs> it's so good, it's so good. And so you, you leave, you, you were, and then, and then that's when you go to the docks and Mm -hmm. there's a raft Mm -hmm. and you're going to go, I think Nirmala's like, I built a rocket ship or something. Um, and you have to go to Nirmala's house to pick up the magic wand because, and I'd love you to tell this because you reacted so viscerally to this portion of the prologue. Oh God.
1: Yeah. Uh. Basically, when you go back to Nirmala's house and you kind of climb in through her upstairs window, very like 90s sitcom-esque, yeah. <laughs> if you are like a Blossom person, perhaps, uh, that you go in through the window, you're looking through things, and you find the magic wand that you're looking for, and you hear this like, bang, 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 and it's <gasps> the dad, Nirmala's dad, banging on the door, because he hears that someone is home and someone is in the room, and I... I I think many of us, especially those of us that kind of grew up in like the the 90s, 80s, like that time period, Mm -hmm. that was such a common parenting tactic. It's like it wasn't necessarily like a physical abuse, although we learned that that was part of what was Mm -hmm. happening in Nirmala's house. But just the use of fear As a like as a tool for control. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: uh, man, the second that happened, it was such a visceral scene. My stomach just clenched. I texted Jenny. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is uh, we're getting very serious very quickly here.
0: Yes. Yeah. It was really interesting. And I, I appreciate the discussion that was had in the discord because There was a lot of, you know, this game takes place in the 90s. And so there is a different style of parenting, even, that Mm -hmm. is prevalent Mm -hmm. in that time. Um, And there are also, I imagine, like cultural elements that we have to consider as well, um, just because like there are just, there's just a different time, different place. And so it was really interesting to feel the universal feeling, I guess, Mm. of, it brought me right back to being a kid and actually I wasn't allowed to shut my door when I was a kid. Like that was a big thing. Um, my parents were just like, don't shut your door for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And I remember I did it once and it wasn't a knocking. Cause again, because I wasn't allowed to shut it, why would they knock? And the way that my parent opened the door just so quickly, I, that for me the knocking brought that moment back yeah and i was like oh yeah just my gut just fell my stomach just fell out of my feet basically
1: (laughs) it it felt like one of those moments we don't know obviously like what writers are responsible for what parts of this Mm -hmm. game but if if i i know that if i were looking to consult with like a therapist or something along those lines to say like hey we want to get across the point that like this is a this is an abusive household, right. and we want to send that message clearly, but we don't want to scare our ga- our gamers away yeah. <laughs> in the first five minutes of the game. Like, how would you do that? It felt like such a real life way to immediately get that point across mm-hmm. and make sure that your your players have that emotional connection to it,
2: mm-hmm. without
1: it being a. a um, I mean, it was still somewhat triggering. Like my, my 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 stomach clenched. So like, it was somewhat triggering, but it wasn't like a. Um, I don't know what the word like maybe like gory like it It wasn't like graphic graphic that's the word yeah it wasn't like a graphic depiction of uh violence within the home so it it was just like a really it was not subtle but it was an impactful way to tell that message without it being Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and so we grab the magic wand we're heading back and a rainstorm begins uh and this is not just any rainstorm uh this is and we were talking to damas about this and it's like monsoon season Mm -hmm. right so this Mm is a This is building up to be a pretty torrential downpour. Like, this is very significant. And we go back as Atma to the dock and we, no, we go back to base camp and we hear a cry for help. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that Nirmala uh, was excited and was in the raft and was not waiting like we had asked her to and uh, was was on the river and holding on for, for dear life at this point.
1: Yeah. And we go straight from that into uh, kind of the hero, the first hero moment of right. the story where Atma is going to try and reach out mm-hmm. and help Nirmala and then try and reach out and, you know, fish back. Was it the book that was in the river? Yeah, it
0: was initially first with a magic wand and then I think it breaks or falls or something. And then again with the book, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Atma tries to reach out.
1: So you we watch like we go into like a cutscene type moment where we watch Atma drown essentially or, like mm-hmm. what we what the the participant playing the game would would assume is like it seems like he's drowning here mm-hmm. like he, you go underwater everything kind of shifts you see him oh. reaching out for nirmala on yeah. the dock this little little girl on the dock um and we wake up or is there a moment I, before there is that?
0: a moment before that i wanted to highlight Please. because the first time i played the game i saw this and i was like Oh, oh, I think I think this is going to be way more than I think it is.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that is as Atma falls, you start to the, the the screen starts to transform and it almost becomes an Alice in Wonderland falling through <sighs> the rabbit hole because mm-hmm. you see furniture, you see like items kind of floating upward mm-hmm. and it becomes this moment. And as soon as I saw that, I immediately thought of Alice in Wonderland and folks who are familiar with Alice in Wonderland. Um, one of the, the big things is wondering if Alice like dreamt it or not, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. on, you know, the, the golden afternoon, was it all just a dream in her nap or did she actually go down the rabbit hole and find wonderland? Mm -hmm. Um, and so with that, I immediately thought, okay, so this, this is all a dream. Um, because that imagery was so strong for me and that's when I started my, my gears started turning. (laughs)
1: So let's talk about this juxtaposition, because after this moment is when you wake up in class, right? Right. It's the beginning of chapter one. You wake up in class as though you've been sleeping. And so as as the audience, as the player, you're thinking, okay, well, either the thing that we just played through was like a dream that he was having Mm -hmm. or something deeper is happening in this reality that he's just woken up to. Right. Right. And I think the reason that you that they they want you to be suspicious is because you wake up with no memory and what seems to be the right. real world.
0: Right. It's weird because the first thing when you wake up, you see someone in front of you and it's Rhea. And she asks and says, like, oh, do you not remember who I am? And, you know, it's kind of one of those things as a joke you might say to a friend mm-hmm. who's just woken mm-hmm. up and is groggy. But there's an option for you to say no. And it's kind of unclear whether or not you want that to be a jokey no or if legitimately ama does not remember what is happening and who this person is in front of him i was like is this is this a is this just a groggy teenager or
2: is there something more happening here
1: <laughs> that's so good so here's like an inside to joel's mind one of my least favorite things in books movies comics you name it, uh-huh. is when there is the central drama is Revolves around one character not sharing a piece of information that they have Uh that the other person does not have. (laughs) And so when I play games like this and you're given the choice, I am always brutally honest like, no, I don't remember you. Who is this person? What is this school? Who are these bullies? I was like, anytime I was given the dialogue option to be like, no, I don't know, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to tell them because in my mind, Like my my thinking is, well, that's the most efficient way. That's the most efficient way to find out what's happening. Of course, in this game, it is not the most efficient way to find out what's (laughs) happening. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know if any of you have that same thing where it's just like what points of drama like get become hangups for you. I have a lot of interesting thoughts about this loss of memory. I'm curious about anything that kind of stood out to you.
0: Not really. Again, I think at this point in the game, I was just kind of like, I don't know if this is just a derpy teenager or, <laughs> or
1: what. There was something that he said, which was like. uh, It just seemed like there was a lot of a lot of interesting flirting going on. Like you wake up in the classroom with no memory. One of yeah. the first things that you say to Raya is I can purr too if you want. And it's like, the absolute yeah, riz of like saying this to a girl that you don't remember that is staring you in the face and is telling you that she is your girlfriend. I was like, <gasps> I know. Get it? I'm like, well done. I again, wouldn't be that smooth.
0: <laughs> again, I'm like, are you just a really confident teenager? <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. So exactly.
0: Um, but it is weird because you then. Like when you leave the classroom, you then bump into who we find out later is um, is it Marin Marin?
2: Yeah. Marin? Right, right.
0: Um, and I think I can't remember if she doesn't quite remember you. No, she does remember you, but you don't remember, you don't her.
2: remember her
0: right. Um, and so I thought that was odd because again, it's like if you've if you are a senior and you've ostensibly been here for a bit mm-hmm, and you're not mm-hmm. in a very, very big school. That's weird. It's a small
1: town, right? Like, <laughs> right. you know, everybody, you know, the names yeah. of the people who work at the stores around town. Exactly. Right? And
0: that's what makes it more weird, because the more you walk around, there are a lot of people, you know, and then just people who you'd think if you saw them every day going to school, you don't know. And so there's just this odd again, there's like things that don't quite add up for some reason mm-hmm. throughout this this first part of the game.
1: Yes. Uh, what were some of the things? What are some of the moments in that like opening first chapter that like really stood out to you?
0: Uh, the cats
1: <laughs> we haven't even talked about we haven't the cats we talked about that and the it's cats. why we are drinking out of these cat mugs today
0: it's true the the first things you do are the first side quest you do really besides leaving school is once you're out you are trying to feed a cat Mm -hmm. um, which I think is absolutely incredible there are cats all around the town you can pet them you can name them and so they become part of the village sort of landscape and painting where you're not only interacting with all of the people and getting to know them but you have cats you know if you're if you play like me I Every time I passed a cat, even if I knew who it was, or sometimes, especially if I knew who it was, like, again, wizard was maybe one of my favorite cats. <laughs> I pet wizard every single time I walked by them.
1: <laughs> you must. You absolutely yeah. must. And uh, I we've we talked about this in the, uh, the interview, but it was a really unfortunate moment for Joel when he got to the end of the game <sighs> and thought he had pet every cat and had actively tried to pet every cat only to find that find out that. I had missed two cats. So,
0: so, so brutal. Brutal.
1: I didn't get to pet the fluffiest animal and didn't. The
0: world. And it makes me so yeah. and I'm excited to tell you about what happens when you do. Cause yes. it's a really like very, very special moment. Oh. <laughs> no, but I'm excited to share and oh, tell I'm excited you.
1: I hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to this, it's a it's a great mechanic. We talked with Damas about this. Like it was something that they intentionally mm-hmm. uh, pulled in thinking about their uh experiences working in the office and mm-hmm. uh they have cats kind of all around they have exactly. something refer to as their boss uh, so it was a it was a really cool moment mm-hmm. but um yeah it, i think it was one of those grounding mechanics of the game it like really made it feel fun
0: yeah and another thing that struck me about uh the first chapter was also the bucket list that was made by our two protagonists because it was so adorable <laughs>
1: I think you asked about this, right? And right. maybe one of the first
0: supplementary first
1: supplementary yeah. pieces. So what, what are some of the things, Jenny? Like if you were like high school Jenny, what would be, <laughs> would have been on her bucket list in those days?
0: Oh, my gosh. It would have absolutely. OK, so this was back in the day when the mall was like a cool place to hang out. You would go to limited Two was the height of fashion <laughs> um, <laughs> uh-huh. for for preteens. Naturally. Uh, and so it would have included things like going to the mall with a friend, going to a movie theater, um, mm-hmm. you know, going to a dance, like, like random little activities. And I think that's what I appreciated when I was looking at the bucket list that these two made, is it wasn't like, travel the world, discover the cure for cancer. You know, it wasn't these ob- unobtainable things. Their bucket list for senior year was really realistic
2: Mm.
0: which I appreciated and it actually got me thinking about just the way I set even my own goals in my personal life and how a lot of times I personally think about the big goals I think about like what am I gonna get done so that my career like is I'm I'm going great in career places I'm gonna do this in five years my 10-year plan and I'm like how can I redefine success and my personal feelings of achievement
2: Mm -hmm. to be
0: maybe something like, Hey, let me just collect 20 bottle caps and just enjoy this like satisfaction of collecting 20 unique things together. Uh, So yeah, it it really got me thinking, which was awesome. What about you? Um,
1: I had a lot of um, tactile hobbies when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Like I, I had like a, a really like robust CD collection. I love going to the used CD store and getting UCDs CDs and like taking yeah. out the CD jacket and like putting that jacket in the wallet and protecting the CD itself. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. But there was one thing that I distinctly remember always wanting when I was in high school. Spoiler alert: It did not happen <laughs> in high school. But I remember going through the mall mm-hmm. and seeing couples where like. Their hands were in each other's back pockets. Oh,
2: my gosh.
1: Am I? okay? I might tell me this might be like one of those things where it's like we think like, you know, young public displays of affection are like silly or lame or whatever. But I remember in high school (sighs) being like, that is what I want so badly is like that walking through the mall and like someone (gasps) that like. There's the fast burning high school romance. We Mm -hmm. have our hands in each other's back pockets. We're going to, I don't know, Aeropostale or whatever. Um, And like that to me was like high school bucket list for sure.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. Oh my gosh. High school Joel. I wish I could have known him.
1: (laughs) Was was chapter one the movie The movie date? It
0: was the movie date. We must talk about the movie date. Well, and it happens pretty quick. You know, we feed the cat Um, and I think pretty much after we feed the cat, we go on the date Mm -hmm. and that brought back so many good memories. Like, Oh my goodness. After you, you have to pick which movie you're going to go, going to go see. And none of them have cats, which is disappointing. Um, but you, you strangely also after spending money on the cat food, I like, I don't have enough money for the tickets anyway, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's a little flash of blue and, um, Raya ha- has has Atma uh, saying wait or no not Atma uh, the concession person saying wait there's a actually a special deal today and it's a two for one and you can go see a movie because you yep. can buy a ticket and get one free.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: That's oh, a that's lot.
1: <sighs> how what a coincidence. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the world was not normal. Things are weird.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: so
1: we go into the movies. Yes. And I actually just found the, I recorded this moment when I was playing through it and I said it to Jenny right before you (laughs) sit down next to Raya as Atma and you have your big bucket of popcorn between the two of you. And it was like the most wholesome thing where it's like one person goes to put their hand in the popcorn. (gasps) And then yeah. you get to choose like when to press like X or whatever to like mm-hmm. put your hand in. And if you go at the same time, both of your eyes like get really big, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I accidentally touched the hand of this person I'm on a date with that is apparently my girlfriend, though I don't remember her. <laughs> but it
0: was and so... you both like retract your You're hands rec- super fast. Oh yes. <laughs>
1: and then for me it was like, Yes, this is what I wanted <laughs> in high school. I'm going to relive it now. It's
0: true. <laughs> Because, like, I didn't really date in high school. I had, like, a couple of – I had a couple of random blind dates that were so awkward because they were friends who had set me up with, like, someone they knew from their youth group. And I didn't even go to youth group, so it was just also very weird. It was very weird. Mm. And I remember being in a movie theater sitting next to this guy who I had never seen before, and I knew – he was doing the thing where he put his arm on the handrest to, like – to try and you know indicate like oh hey if you put your arm here like maybe we could hold hands but I was just like (laughs) perfect posture straight back like hands tucked in I was like I don't know what to do right now
1: (laughs) it was (sighs) so that teenage feeling that uncertainty where the stakes could not be higher
0: yeah and it's like the movie's playing (laughs) but I'm not thinking like the movie is not going through my head at all I am entirely aware of like every arm hair that could potentially be touching his arm (laughs) you know it's just the hyper awareness that i had of that moment um it's still with me and this this scene brought me back to that point
1: i we were talking about this if you are again if you're not in the discord you should check it out it's a fun time we were talking about various movie date experiences (laughs) and i remember i I, I only remember having one movie theater date. Maybe there were more, but I only remember mm-hmm. one. And I remember sitting down next to the girl that I was with and putting my arm over her shoulder <laughs> because that's what I remember seeing in TV and movies. Yeah. And like, we were in high backed chairs. Oh, so no. it was like within like a minute, like mm-hmm. she's sitting forward with her, like her <laughs> head at an awkward angle. Cause my arm is like on her shoulder. So she can't lean back against the chair. She's like, I'm really uncomfortable. Can we just like hold hands or something? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now let us enjoy the punisher together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, my gosh. That's so
0: amazing. Hey, uh,
1: get in the comments. Tell us about your awkward movie date moments. I'm eager to feel better about myself. (laughs) I would
0: love to hear that because I have, I had no, no savvy when I was a kid.
1: (laughs) Okay. one of the other things that I think we uh, we must talk about is Mm -hmm. this idea of planning for the future.
0: Yeah, because this
1: begins in chapter one. Yeah, this idea that like you have this project, I guess, for school.
0: Yeah, it's like the future planning sheet, the future planning (laughs) sheet. Yeah.
1: Uh, f- uh, for those of you who maybe are not familiar or haven't played the game, like, mm-hmm. especially in U.S. schools, we still do this, where we had mm-hmm. to, like, you fill out a survey to talk about what you're interested in. You get back a little thing. And it's like, here's what we think you should, a job you should pursue. Uh, and we got to see that kind of play out or, like, mm-hmm. they wanted that to play out. But right. you never do. You never fill out the sheet.
0: No. And it's interesting. Well, and the game <laughs> kicks off with um, Raya saying, like, I could fill out the sheet. And, and she is... Portrayed, especially at the beginning of the game, as the perfect like model student. The mm-hmm. teacher is like, Raya, you're perfect. Like oh, that's you're right. you're the student. like I know that you would never forget this. Like you should make sure to get the appointment in. And then he turns to Ama and he's like, and you, yeah, just like. <laughs> get this done you know (laughs) like you can tell there's like a good student bad student dynamic for sure Uh, and it's like anyone who's been in school like a public school or any school uh, probably has seen that happen in real time um but yeah even like they both don't fill it out instead they make the bucket list
1: i was going back through my screenshots Mm -hmm. and i saw there's a flash you get kind of a a flashback where uh otma gets a like a memory yeah and it's him talking to Nirmala, yes and it's not the beginning of the game
2: yep
1: uh it is something that happens chronologically before the beginning yeah. of the game and he says and i wrote this down uh you shouldn't miss this kind of opportunity to plan your future this is atma talking yeah. to little Nirmala, and i think as you play through this game i want us to come back to this conversation around like planning for the yeah. future because to me, I think this is one of those subtle themes that gets peppered in. And one of my hypotheses that I'd like for mm-hmm. us to talk about when we get to like the end and the the big reveals and everything is: um, was this one of the triggering events that set kind of the yeah. whole story in motion? Mm-hmm. This this being asked to plan your future because it keeps yeah. coming up yeah it comes up in almost every chapter that it, yeah either it's like in the background you find that piece of paper and it's like a clue or you're talking mm-hmm. to a teacher and they're they're remembering that like oh yeah i signed that piece of paper about planning for your future yeah i am i my, one of my hypotheses is that that is one of the triggering events
0: mm. in, for the whole story I had not thought about it, but I really like that hypothesis. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> um, so we were in Chapter 1. Pretty much, I would say that is um, that is most of what Chapter 1 hap- is, entails. I would say one thing I wanted to point out, Kiddercat mentioned it in the Discord. Um, chapter 1 really establishes this. The fact that as a game, just looking at the mechanics of the game, Uh, Kitter Cat said, I also noticed this is a game that really benefits from you interacting with everyone and everything. Um, And I think that's super important for anyone who's playing this game. And it may be I think it could either be really annoying to some people (laughs) or it could be really sort of um, exciting for people who really love that kind of methodical looking through everything. But I also think just as we play the game that became more and more apparent, and while there are some parts that I, was, I think they maybe overstayed a little bit, their welcome sure. for me personally. No. Overall, I loved that. I loved that the game wanted you to like basically touch everything.
1: Yeah, and you you get to explore the city or like the first chunk of it in chapter one. And like various paths are blocked, they get unblocked as you play through, but they really uh, kind of force you to establish yourself as a part of the community. And yeah, I think this is actually a critical theme running kind of throughout is, Mm -hmm. I actually wrote this down as like a thematic recurrence, which is um, this idea that community plays an active role in your personal identity
2: and the way you mm-hmm. talk
1: about who you are. Yep. Um, Demas, when we were interviewing him, talked about how it was really important to them that everyone living in the town had a complex and nuanced uh, backstory. Right. And, Man, chapter one really sets it up. You start, mm-hmm. you meet like the, the, the man who owns the like corner store, he ends up being directly connected to some of the other characters that you meet in like chapter two with right. Eric, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I think like, this is another really key element that you don't see in a lot of games is mm-hmm. the community of like NPCs are not there just to be like, help you, you know, finish your, your quests or mm-hmm. your tasks or whatever. If you're going to fully understand the characters, like the main characters of the story, you would be missing out on huge chunks of that story if you don't interact with these characters. Yeah,
0: which is how life actually works. (laughs) Um, Nobody is an island um, as much as maybe some people wish they were. Uh, We are we are who we are based on who we interact with, who who raised us, who didn't raise, us. you know, it's like we are so much more than ourselves. We are built because of the people who surround us. And so I think that's something that this game gets across really, really wonderfully.
1: Yes, totally. Shall so, we jump into chapter yeah, two? Yeah,
0: chapter two. So I think chapter two and three are both really similar structurally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I think we have some really major things that we learn, but both of them involve a lot of Running around and gathering <laughs> items and taking them to people. And I'm curious how you felt about that.
1: Um, I, uh, spoiler alert <laughs> um, <laughs> for Joel's life. I don't love games where you're just running around and like fulfilling tasks for other people. Yeah. I refer to them as chore simulators. Jenny has informed me that there's actually a name for like point-and-click adventures. Like that's this yes. is the, like, the way these games work. Like
0: fetch quests. Fetch Yeah, quests. yeah <laughs> fetch
1: quests. That was a new term to me I had never yeah. heard before. Um, and I I think when we first started, mm-hmm. I was very hesitant and had my guard up for the game because it was clear that like fetch fetch quests would be a part of it. Right. And it's so rare that those are done well in my experience. I think Mm -hmm. about like Link's Awakening being like a fantastic way that that works. But what got me into it was it became clear pretty quickly that you're not just running from person to person Mm -hmm. to like, I need 17 cuckoo birds and you need to go find me those 17 birds Anytime you are asked to be part of a fetch between two people, right? there was a story for how those people were connected. Mm-hmm. And it made it such a, a way more rich experience for me than when it's like, oh, no, you're just going to find the 17 birds and, right. and deliver them.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I personally really enjoy those kind of quests. I love being able to check off a box that I did things. Um, <laughs> productivity complex. I don't know. But um, I I really loved it. And I loved it. It provided this opportunity for us not only to get to know the people because we're helping them out. But uh, we got more just embedded into the world. And I felt like by the time these chapters were done, I had been running through the village. It felt like home to me in a lot of ways. I knew, and I think you mentioned this as well Mm -hmm, when we talked mm -hmm. to Damas, where it's like I knew where the corner store was. I knew where the Net Cafe was. I knew where the school was. I know where the back alley is, where kids like to give each other pop quizzes for some reason. (laughs) Um, That's
1: my kind of gang.
0: Yeah, I know, right? So I think... What was really nice um, is that even though at times it felt a little slow, it also felt intentional in the sense of it forced you to if you're walking along the same roads multiple times, Mm -hmm. you at some point you do not notice the details. And at some point you do like absorb what this place is about. And I think that was really cool, um, even though, again, occasionally slow. But I think it ultimately left me feeling much more connected to the world.
1: Can I add, this might be just because I don't, I haven't played a lot of like 2D side scrolling games in a really long time, but there was like a three dimensionality to this 2D -hmm. map that I don't, I couldn't think of other games that I had played that were similar, so it's it, everything is left to right side scroller as you're right. playing through playing through the game. But if you turn left, like imagine a square, it's kind of like you're turning left to go like around the corner and then you're turning left to go around the corner again. Yeah. And so it, it even though it was a 2D side scrolling mm-hmm. experience, you are very much interacting in a three dimensional
0: Yeah. Yes. And
1: that that felt like really fresh to me. And maybe other games do this and I just haven't experienced them. But It felt really good.
0: Yeah, it did feel really good. And I think other games maybe I think other games attempt this and I know other games have this, but I think something about this felt very intuitive and somehow it felt just more. I don't know. It was just immersive for some reason. Like I felt like I knew this village, which Mm -hmm. doesn't often happen for me. Very often I I am a map checker. I will have a mini map up or I will constantly be bringing up a map. Um, And that was a there. I don't think there. Well, no, there was a map in the journal. I don't think I think I saw it because I, you know, you have the tutorial that shows you. And I don't think I looked at it once because I felt so familiar with the place. That's so
1: good. Do you know when I looked at it? Yeah. When you are at the school and it's like chapter two or three and the courtyard opens up for the first time. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine like uh, uh, the like a capital letter A, yeah. but with a flat top instead of a pointy top, like mm-hmm. a, a, an alarm clock A, if you will. <laughs> um, in chapters two or three, the middle line that goes through the A opens mm-hmm. up if that's like the shape of the school grounds and you can yeah. cut through the courtyard yeah. and you can cut off part of the map to like make a, your, your way through. And when that opened up and I walked and you're in the middle of the courtyard in the middle of that like line in the middle of the letter A, if you will, uh, I immediately understood where I was. Yeah. I was like, oh, this 2D experience is like this capital letter A from an alarm clock. And I am in the middle of the line that's connecting <laughs> it. And it, like, it was such a like, whoa, I didn't realize that's the kind of game I was playing that I opened mm-hmm. the map. And I saw, sure enough, that's exactly what's happening. And I was like, wow, like they have communicated this so beautifully with this one subtle experience in the schoolyard.
0: It's so good. Yeah, I just can't speak highly enough about just, I love that we talk about the place a lot because again, Dimas mentioned that this game... Mm was meant specifically to be a time capsule this is meant to capture a moment in time for this culture for this region um and for these people and so i think the fact that the setting itself is its own character i think of the game like yakuza is another Mm -hmm, example of a game mm -hmm. where time and place is almost if not sometimes more important than the characters themselves and i think this game really captures that spirit and again damas mentioned really having that be a strong intention for the game
1: yeah, I totally, totally agree. So I think the thing that we start seeing when we get into chapter two is that the the lives of these like NPCs get more and more complex, right? And the histories that they carry, uh, and their relationships with each other gets more and more detailed. And mm-hmm. um, how did you feel about like the overall mystery of the game as you got through chapters two and three? Like when you're, so chapters two and three, like like just mechanically, you're dealing more with the school bullies, like Eric, Mm -hmm. the school bully. uh, And I think Lulu is chapter three. Yes. Right. So you're getting to know other characters a bit more. They are starting to realize something is going on. What clues were you picking up? And like, how did you feel about like the overarching, like what is actually going on here?
0: Well, what's interesting is we So at the end of chapter one, Rhea collapses because of using her powers. Mm -hmm. And so we have this huge problem that we're confronted with is Rhea. We didn't even talk about cat wonderland, by the way. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my goodness. There's so much to this game. Um, Rhea uses her powers to take us to cat wonderland, which is this fantastical world that she created with her mind with cats that you can pet and enjoy forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Something goes horribly wrong. Uh, We think maybe it's because Atma space dives, but we're not entirely sure uh, within Cat Wonderland. And so at the end of chapter one, Rhea collapses. Chapter two begins with us trying to figure out a way to sort of help her make her feel better. And so we're gathering ingredients for a cake. And that's when we have the run in with Eric and the bullies. Um, we don't know what Eric's beef is with us, but Eric does not like us. Mm-hmm. And because he doesn't like us, his little his little gang of cronies also doesn't like us. Mm-hmm. What was really interesting to me is, again, I, I was confused as to, you know, narratively. I'm like, what is happening? Why is this guy so mad at us? Why is he so possessive of Rhea when we're dating like what is i this? was told
1: when i woke up that yeah her like boyfriend. <laughs> i
0: thought she said we were dating so i don't know why you're getting yeah. your panties in a twist right now because this is this is not like are you just that jealous mm-hmm. and what was really interesting as well is uh you they introduce a new mechanic where you start to learn how to fight and actually i <laughs> love right. that in this chapter two when you're learning how to sort of protect yourself and to protect rea against the bullies uh they have this sort of Street Fighter inspired arcade yep. situation yep. which is great. Um but it also felt very uncharacteristic of Atma. Like I Atma does not seem like a fighter and so in playing this I'm like this is kind of weird because Atma's being Atma's learning how to punch things mm-hmm. and he initially mm-hmm. just wants to defend. And so that also felt interesting from a character's perspective um that they even that he's been put in this position
1: and put is the right word, right? Like as a hero, this is not like a, um, not even necessarily a reluctant hero story. It is a a person that has like kind of been explicitly called in to be the hero, right? That is, that is the function. And that is like your function as the player until you get to the end of the game and everything kind of changes on you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, but I guess to, to fast forward it a little bit, because we, we do all of these things, we collect all of these ingredients for a cake, mm-hmm. because uh, one of the bucket list items is a black forest ghetto. Mm-hmm. And uh, we dive into a chef who is grappling, because we can't bake the cake, because the chef isn't available, but the chef is going through their own conundrum. They don't want to bake things anymore. They're really good at baking.
2: Mm-hmm. It's not
0: a lack of skill. But they're feeling called towards a different type of cuisine. Mm -hmm. But we space dive into their minds. And as we push them towards baking, because we need them to bake, Mm -hmm. um, we find that in the space dive, the blue flowers are the ones that bloom. And I don't know if you noticed that.
1: Okay, I can't wait anymore. You've got to tell me the difference between the yellow and the blue. So
0: what's happening, I again, at this point I was hypothesizing, but I noticed that in the space dives we are helping someone and they're coming to their own conclusions and they are finding peace with their responses because we have enabled them to, again, just get there Mm -hmm. on their own. Mm -hmm. The yellow flower is the one that blossoms, Uh, when they're able to basically self-actualize and go towards their passions and feel really good about their choices. Whenever a blue flower in a space dive blooms, it is because we have pushed them intentionally towards something maybe they did not want or they did not come to that that conclusion themselves. And if you think about the colors, and we'll get into sort of more of this reveal, but the colors that surround Rhea, yes which is blue yes we always see Rhea with the blue we always see normala with the yellow yes we have that juxtaposition there
1: you get the cats that are all like their cats, the cats that represent the yep. like the yellow like the dark color versus the orangish yeah. color
0: and so when we're wow. looking at motifs uh the color <laughs> of the flower is a really big important motif that we see throughout the entire game
1: Okay, so this was a question that we posed on the Discord was Mm -hmm. uh, as you start playing and and get into the space dive mechanic, I was just kind of curious like how people felt about it. And we had a really interesting conversation uh, online talking through this. I initially felt like kind of uncomfortable with the space dive mechanic because it was like, well, I'm entering into these people's minds Mm -hmm. without their consent, uh, identifying some of their deepest (laughs) fears anxieties decision points and then I am what what the word that came to my mind was it felt like I was manipulating them right like I am trying to get something out of this exchange that serves my needs in this moment right and so it's so interesting because I did not at all make this connection between the blue and the yellow flower that at times you I guess now that I think about it you were more an active participant in their healing and helping them Mm self-actualize versus pushing them towards a specific decision yeah so the chef who's trying to decide i guess one would be like do i want to make chinese cuisine or do i want to continue making sweet baked goods which joel (laughs) would love i know (laughs) Uh, i'm a cookie fiend for those of you who don't know uh as this character is working through their question what is my future Mm -hmm. what is this future thing and Mm -hmm. rather than us helping them self-actualize in this moment we have pushed them and manipulated them. Yeah. And now that you're saying this, it all makes sense how it's later in the game. All these people that you engaged with. Right. You see again and they are not in a good place.
0: No. Yeah. And later, later parts of the game, everything's broken and we see the sort of twisted version of everybody um, that that we have space dived into. Oh, yeah. Space diven? Space, space dove, dove.
1: <laughs> space dove
0: <laughs> space jam i don't know space jam
1: i think another like important theme in like the chapter 2 3 area is that continued discussion uh, around mm-hmm. abuse and mm-hmm. uh in this case even physical abuse you you start yeah. seeing the eric's experiences mm-hmm. um with the shop owner who it, it all signs point to was physically abusive with him i want to say in maybe chapter 3 he actually hits lulu does that sound familiar
0: I think it does, I yeah. Had, I had a
1: screenshot and I was trying to remember and I think that might have been what happened there. And it was like one of those moments where they did, it was almost in my mind, it was like an, a subtle nudge from the writers again to say like, mm-hmm. don't forget, like there's some deep seated, like traumatic things that are going mm-hmm. on here. And uh, as we learn more about Eric and kind of him being, the bully or, right. or uh, aggressive. Um, I think we're supposed to have a moment of empathy to say like, oh, mm-hmm. like he's this way because of this other thing. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the important things that I, themes that came through, which is like, hurt people, hurt people.
0: Right. I mean, generational, generational trauma. Yeah. There's a whole genre of movies now, basically based on uh, addressing that and kind of grappling with that. And I think um, Lulu does mention even, you know, she calls the shopkeeper. She's like, uncle, you, stop beating him. Like maybe just talking to him mm-hmm, would help. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, again, it goes back to this idea of I much more remember like in the 80s and 90s, like spanking your kids oh, and being yeah. a bit more physical with them was considered more of a norm than now. And so thinking about that and how that was also a bit more normalized, obviously beating is a different thing. Yeah. Totally different thing. But um, it kind of brought me back to that. And what's interesting is with Eric's space dive, uh, we see Eric not simply as Eric in there. We Mm -hmm. see two versions of Eric. We see the child, Eric, who is literally trapped in a cage and unable to get out because he says, like, he won't let me out talking about himself. Mm -hmm. And the other version of Eric we see in the space dive is like a werewolf. Yes. Basically.
1: Yes. And I think like, I, let's talk about this for a bit because mm-hmm. I think this is a really critical theme. And again, I got to imagine it's because they had this like psychologist on staff, but like an idea that when you are hurt as a child, the only way that you can resolve some of that mm. is to w- work, do the work quote with right. that inner child. Um, And so I think this is one of the first big clues, in my opinion, as to Mm -hmm. what's really going on is that space dive with Eric where you see him and him dealing with his inner child. There was a um, an interesting uh, an interesting quote that Mm -hmm. I think came Mm -hmm. out of this. So... um, As you are playing through this game, you kind of re-encounter Eric throughout and then again at the end. And one of the things that Eric says, and I want to be very clear, I am extremely anti-bully and I had a very hard time. I do not forgive Eric. I am not okay with him. (laughs) But he says this line and it kind of got to me. He said, I'm the one you have more in common with than you might dare to believe. He's talking to to Mm -hmm, Raya at mm -hmm. this moment. And one of the things that I was wondering about is... um, when you don't do – when you don't have an opportunity to, like, heal that inner child and do that inner work. Right. You can either project it or you can internalize it. And I think what we see with Eric is, like, very much the I have externalized and I am making this hurt mm-hmm. that I have everyone else's problem. Mm-hmm. And what we learn about Raya's move for is she has very, very much internalized yes. a lot of that pain.
0: Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the more we learn about them, they are – uh almost mirror images of one another in terms of how they've reacted to the mm-hmm. very a very similar type of trauma yes. uh in the home. So yeah, I think Eric's a fascinating character to me. Um <laughs> I I mentioned this in the discord, but I had, you know, both of us were teachers and I I I know Eric. I have a student yep. who is Eric yep. and I think about him regularly and wonder you know what happened i hope he's okay i hope he was able to move past it and so seeing eric really brought me back to that student in particular because um you know this is this game draws from very real scenarios and i've seen this
2: student
1: yeah i don't know that i can talk about this without bursting into tears (laughs) Uh, but i will just say like yes i think um again it didn't feel like they had cheapened at all, the experience of like household harm and abuse and what that is like, Mm -hmm. I think this is just like one of those moments where they were able to say like, hey, don't forget like this very serious thing happened at the very beginning of the game. You're going to keep seeing little flashes of this. We don't want you to forget because it's going to be really important.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And so we go through Eric's mind. We try, you know, we release young Eric, we try to grapple with you know, I think they call it vile weared dog is <laughs> <It's> the boss <laughs> yeah, battle. That's right. um, we try to we try to reason, we try to fight, um, and we think maybe we have gotten through.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then something very odd happens. I
1: this totally caught me by a surprise. This
0: my dog dropped because we see first Nirmala mm-hmm. show up into Eric's space dive. And we at this point, Nirmala has been a dream. Yep. We don't think Nirmala is maybe real or maybe a, Nirmala is a past memory. We're mm-hmm. not sure. Mm-hmm. But Nirmala shows up in a space dive, and that that's weird. Uh, and Nirmala also brings this giant gargoyle cat <laughs> named Busk. Bosque. Bosque, yeah. So cool. Boss. Um, <laughs> as we learned from Damas. And not only does Bosque, like, flap his wings, basically, gar- his gargoyle wings, and whisk Atma away and out of the space dive forcibly. Mm-hmm. But we are back in the world and we see Eric and Eric begins to transform into his were- vile were version in what we presume is real life. Yep. Uh, so things are going just off the walls at this yep. point. Yep. We don't know what's real and what's not.
1: And then we like flash and we wake up again.
0: One other thing happens. Oh, wait, what else happens? And this brought chills to my soul because Rhea shows up and first uses her power to turn Eric back. And then when Eric sobbing is trying to apologize because we realize also the conflict between Rhea and Eric is the fact that he had hit her cat with his scooter, his motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Um, He's sobbing, trying to apologize and essentially ask for forgiveness for what has happened. And Rhea just tells him to shut it and wipes him from existence. Yes. And I'm getting chills thinking about it because she does that and then turns and picks up the cake and just starts to eat it as if nothing else has happened. As if Atma had just brought her the cake and she collapses and that's when everything kind of fades to black. It's a chilling scene.
1: It is. (laughs) It is. It is. Like this person is just kind of like wiped from existence. And you're like, oh, so she's got like power, power. Like something is going on here.
0: Yeah. Well, and this, and and for me, one of the themes that I really started to pick up at this point is this nature of forgiveness in the wake of wrongs being done to Mm -hmm. you. Um, Because Eric had been grappling and, you know, there is – We don't know what his situation is with his dad, but we know that Rhea and Eric have had something happen and he's having a hard time forgiving himself. Rhea clearly is also have a hard time forgiving him because she wipes him. And we're going to see this idea of what happens when you're not willing to forgive and let go versus when you are willing to let go and forgive. Mm -hmm. And that's something we start seeing come up more and more as we play.
1: Yeah, because the next chapter is Lulu. Oh, yeah. And that is like all about this, like you, it's kind of like the other end of Mean Girls in a way. that's kind of how I felt about that chapter. It
0: absolutely is. Yeah. Oh, would you like to dive into Lulu's chapter? So
1: you go, you, uh, you, you wake up again, right? In the class, in the same same classroom and, uh, things are just, you know, slightly askew. It's a little bit different than the last time Mm -hmm. you run into Lulu pretty quickly, um, and you start realizing that Lulu, like, just like we as the players are thinking, like, something weird is going on here. Lulu is also like, hey, something weird is going on here.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and, like, the first task, I believe, is just to escape the school.
0: Yes. Well, because everyone's running around and they're like, the festival, the festival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got to prepare for the festival. Um, and it, it honestly brought me back to there's this. In Final Fantasy VIII, there's a portion of the game where the headmaster goes missing from the garden. This is a very specific moment (laughs) of a very specific game. (laughs) But if anyone's played Final Fantasy VIII and remembers that moment and everyone's running around kind of like, what do we do? We got to do this thing. We got to find this thing. It very much feels like that. There's Mm -hmm. this sort of underlying chaos and tension. um, And we think maybe it's because of the festival. But also as players and even Lulu and Atma, they know there's something more here because... People are repeating phrases yes. over and over again. Yes. Like they're glitching out. Yes. We're seeing the glitch on the few characters. It's just things are going askew.
1: And it, you try to, like, you're trying to find Raya from the beginning, right? right? And, like, the, it's like, well, she's clearly not on school grounds. We've got to go find her, so we have to leave the school to do so. Mm-hmm. And you encounter uh, one of the, I guess, teachers, administrators. Kind yeah. Of like, maybe a counselor. <laughs> Hard to understand, like, what his actual job was. But, um he is he has taken over taken on this entire like militaristic persona yeah and it's like well this is clearly a teacher we know that he he's the one who was asking us about our future plans in the mm-hmm. previous chapter and now he has this complete like identity change right and you you space dive in and you go through and realize okay like he thinks he it fully believes that he is this like military person does not Mm -hmm. believe he works in a school at all Mm -hmm. um and i i'm gonna like just kind of bypass that for a moment to talk about the way they tell that is through lulu
0: yeah which i think is super lulu is fascinating and honestly i think visually one of my favorite space dives because when you when you space dive um you you and you're going through all of this. And I think you're space diving into Lulu to also determine, you know, what this guy's mm-hmm. identity mm-hmm. And, and prove it in this sort of ace attorney fashion, which is also a great <laughs> reference. Great reference. Um, you have this really almost regal sort of the pillars, this Grecian sort of courthouse that you're going into with a gaggle of geese as your audience. And Lulu is sitting on a throne with two like geese angels.
1: (laughs) The geese guardians. The
0: geese guardians uh, at her side. And it's just so striking and beautiful. And again, weird. Everything is just like, what is happening here?
1: And you see Lulu sitting on top of like this kind of throne, right? Yeah. She is there to pronounce judgment. Yes. And my first question was like, Wait, is she actually space diving with me? Why is she inside this like teacher dude's head? Mm. What like it it felt like it broke the rules for me mm. in that moment. I think mm-hmm. now I understand what was going on, but at the moment I was like, why are we seeing her in judgment yeah. of this teacher slash military guy in his head? Yeah. What is going on here?
0: Well, wait, were we space diving in? Her head or his head at this point? Because I remember we also brought other community members. Did we just space dive into there? I guess we did. Yeah, you're right. You're right, right, right. I'm not positive,
1: but I feel like that might have. I I just remember it striking me as odd that they were both inside, whether it was her mind or his mind, either way, you're in one person's head, but there's now two people there. Right. And I thought that was just like a really strange thing in the moment. Uh, and your whole job is like, go collect evidence around the school mm-hmm. uh, that shows that this guy who we know is a teacher from the last chapter <laughs> is, in fact, a teacher uh, or is, in fact, a, a school employee. And so you go and you do that and you you bring it forward. I'm going to tell you, I totally messed this up. I did not understand that <laughs> how to play this part of the game at first. Um, but what's I, I think what they are setting up in my mind, looking back on it, mm-hmm. is they are showing that Lulu is a judgmental person. Yes. And I think they're setting up this kind of mean girls. Uh, yeah. I'll say trope, although I know it's a reality, but like this mean Girls scenario where it's like, Lulu does not have a good relationship with Raya, which mm-hmm. is not immediately evident. Uh, but you find out the longer you play into this chapter, into the game that like, oh, actually, like these two have a lot of like, well, I'll use the word drama loosely. There's drama between them.
0: Yeah, there's definitely like, It's that sort of passive aggressive, like exactly. Sort of, it is the mean girls, queen bee Mm -hmm. dynamic Mm -hmm. that, especially, you know, Raya is a very good student, presumably, maybe one of the top in the class. Lulu is as well, but Lulu has the popularity factor and the relationship with people that allows her that edge to be considered, quote unquote, the best Mm -hmm. or better. Mm -hmm. And you see, That each person we go to in this sort of court system, uh, as we're interviewing them, we learn that Raya has been tasked with organizing this festival and has not been doing so great with it. And now Lulu is like, well, when I did the festival, it was perfect. And so now am I going to have to come in and clean up your mess? And so there is this tension (laughs) Uh, Between the two of them. And they again later on they're a bit more explicit with it. But at first it's very much that passive aggressive teenage way of talking.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Absolutely. And we again like in that first space dive they start bringing back uh, some of those central kind of abusive themes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The school teacher as you're getting into his memory um, using him confronting his father. Yes, his father who has these expectations that he'll do something with his life that like means something Mm -hmm. that something seems to be he wants him to work within the military uh which we learn is actually like what his brother chose to do the teacher's brother chose to do that and so we come back to this question around like what is your future what's an acceptable future what's an acceptable future to this father figure in your life and uh how much influence and sway that can have over your decision-making and your, your Mm self-worth and your Mm self-identity.
0: Yeah. And again, it's like, when you do these space dives, you see that represented physically between the intertwining of the gold branch and the blue branch. And I think what's really interesting. And I, I mentioned earlier, there's this cultural component and I'm not entirely sure, but when, as a player who, you know, has Korean family and, and that sense of expectation and like filial sort of piety and filial, um, obligation i Mm -hmm. guess which Mm -hmm. is maybe a negative term sounding term but there's a sense of you're not doing things for yourself you do things for your family as Mm -hmm. well and um i I think anyone you know most people can probably relate to that to some extent um, regardless from where you're from but i know especially like growing up you i for a long time was like I have to go into like a medical field I have to do something that will help make it worth you know all of the choices that my mom made to like come here I got to make it worth it for her because She came here and she's sacrificing a lot so that I can do really well. And I think we see a lot of that in these, like you said, expect, what is expected of you? Mm -hmm. What is the thing that society wants you to do? Your family wants you to do? What is the quote unquote best path for you? Regardless of whether or not you want to take it and if it's the best for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Boy, howdy. It gets real. Is that one of those moments you get yellow flowers from this?
0: Oh my gosh! I don't remember. I would have to go back and see.
1: Because everything you're—it's kind of like a golden. So I don't know if I'm confused if yeah. I'm conflating like kind of the golden Grecan, grecian Grecian, yeah. grecian. pillars yeah. <laughs> uh, with a, the golden flowers or yeah. not. If if anyone has replying that place, put in the comments. Is that a golden flower moment? Because mm-hmm. you're helping him remember who he actually is there. Yes. So I wonder. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious. Well, let us remember. know in the comments. I'm curious uh we get another interesting element so like a lot of this chapter is Mm -hmm. trying to find raya trying to figure out what's going on with this festival yes uh do we eavesdrop on the dinner conversation in this one or is that the next chapter that's the next chapter that's the next chapter okay what you do get in this chapter is the fireworks uh storyline this was one of my favorite elements of the entire game
0: i loved this but this also had the puzzle that i had to look i think you were talking about it in discord with some folks this had the puzzle that (laughs) the one the one puzzle that stumped me and i ended up looking it up because i could not figure out what was going on
1: dear reader uh joel grew up with game guides uh and (laughs) angelfire.com for uh walkthroughs and so when joel gets onto a puzzle he does not understand he gives it about two or three tries and then he immediately looks it up oh, so. man,
0: i'm so stubborn i will just like i will i will put a game down and come back to it just to try not to because i love the feeling of figuring it out myself to a point where i'm probably too obstinate for my own good
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i mean actually like we talked about this with to the moon when i i got stuck on the <laughs> yeah. plant puzzle and i was on like I think I had tried like 170 times in total before I finally figured out what was going wrong oh, yeah. with that puzzle. Uh, and like, that's what happens when Joel doesn't look something up. And so <laughs> Joel looks things up. I don't know. Why I'm talking to third person so much. I look things up is what I do. Um, but so you're, you're trying to find a person who has connections to fireworks to help with yes. the festival. You find a woman um, and I think – is she wearing a hijab at this point? I think they're indicating that she's perhaps Muslim in the –
0: I think so. She's definitely got something, like, something tied around her head.
1: There's some indication that she has, like, a religious component, which matters here in a moment. I'll explain why. But uh, in her memory, she's like, I am the flame bringer. She's, like, adopted this, like, almost arsonist persona. And you have to talk to the community Mm -hmm. to learn about her. Yes. This is where it, like, first clicked with me that, like, the community – truly truly matters these fetch quests truly truly matter you talk to members of like what seems to be like a book club kind Mm -hmm. of scenario to learn about her you learn about the plants that she loves you learn about a guy that like stole her trophy a long time ago it turns out that (laughs) guy is the doomsday (laughs) singer on the side of the street like it was like one of those moments like oh this is like a really rich town with Mm -hmm. interconnected storylines and you do the same thing that we do with a teacher, right? We right. go in, we space dive, you see Lulu as the judge, and you're, you have this woman who's trying to convince the judge, like, I am an arsonist, I am the flame bringer. She says what I thought was the funniest and best line, perhaps ever, when you're asking her, like, I, I think someone says something about, like, what's what about you and your god? And she says, <laughs> my god? He will burn with everything else. And I was like, that's the most badass line. I
0: know. Wow.
1: So <laughs> I'm going to take that and use it as like a DD. Like, I'm going <laughs> to use that somewhere for sure. Uh, so what a cool line. But I, it was like, that was the moment for me that added a lot of depth to the like fetch quests and the conversations.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I... <sighs> I really love what you had mentioned a long, uh, not a long time ago earlier in this podcast where the NPCs do not fit the definition Mm -hmm. of NPC Mm -hmm. in the traditional Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. And I really like that because I think a, a lot of the time about when I'm driving in a car, it's very easy to see all the other cars as just boxes of things moving around me. And, I like to think about who are the people in the cars next to me and what are their days like? It's just a fun game I play with myself, you know, in the car when I'm driving on the highway and things like that. But it's a mentality, I think, is really significant, especially in this time when it's very easy to just look past people. Mm. It's very easy to not see people and to not see them as human. And this game really forces you to take a look at everyone in the village and not treat them as NPCs or inhuman or you know, just accessories to the plot they are they are the story
1: they are the story yeah can i you've just reminded me for those of you we live in like the portlandish area mm-hmm. and there is a road um near one of our old dance studios yeah. that uh, when you're driving under a bridge someone has graffitied the words on this bridge you are the traffic and every time i drive under that bridge it's like such a powerful reframing yeah. of my own experience. It's like when I complain, "Oh, traffic is so bad or I can't believe about these drivers. I am that.
2: Yeah. That is
1: me. <laughs> I am the traffic. I am the, the obnoxious driver to someone. It's right. like a, one of those moments where it's like, you can't like stop seeing yourself as the main character, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think it's really, it's, It's very powerful to think of yourself as the main character, to romanticize your life in that way. But I almost wonder if in some ways we've gone too far in that direction Mm -hmm. and we've lost sight of what it means to maybe be a part of someone else's story or to share your story with other people.
2: Oh, boy. (laughs)
1: Okay, we're okay. having a lot of fun yeah. here. Uh, so, what else? What else? What else happens in this in this chapter with Lulu?
0: Um, I think. I mean, just to just to keep keep us moving along, I think we go through these these quests, and we we then basically turn to Lulu and Space Dive Lulu, mm-hmm. and we ultimately see Lulu transform the same way Eric does into just this ginormous black goose. Yep. Which is pretty incredible. I think it's a stunning, it just looks beautiful. Um but again, we're seeing this corrupted version of Lulu in this space dive.
1: I took a screenshot of Lulu as the bird at the end. Yeah. And she says this line I thought was really interesting. She's talking about Raya at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously these two have beef. We've talked through it. They got bad blood. It's very like (laughs) Katy Perry, Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah. And she says, she, talking about Raya, Raya uh, weaves stories from the lives of people around her. She doesn't shove them down their throats. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was probably the most a uh, poignant first clue about what's actually happening
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, within the, the actual like narrative of this game. Right. So Lulu, uh, Bad Blood Mean Girl Lulu, um, we start realizing like this is a critical part of like this high schooler Raya mm-hmm. and what is maybe, I won't say causing, but what is informing kind of the story around us as we move right.
0: forward. Right, right. And again, we're looking at this and we're <clears throat> starting At least at this point, um, because I knew this in, you know, I knew Raya is the person that we as Atma are focusing on, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't quite sure uh, the sort of hub and spoke component of this. And it's starting to come together now that we have both Eric and Lulu and their experiences and their space dives sort of under our belt, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, but what ultimately happens again, same as with Eric, uh, Nirmala. And boss, boss, <laughs> show up, mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I believe they is it does Namala or Rea?
1: Oh, which one? I move,
0: uh, yeah,
1: shuffles them sh- away. Yeah, I don't remember, but we get like the transformation scene, just like we yes. got with Eric. She turns into this bird monster person. Yeah, and uh, we get the same kind of experience. We're like, we're sh- we're shuffled away. The whole world kind of collapses and and resets in a way.
0: Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then do you do we wake up in the classroom one more time here?
0: I think I actually I don't remember because Because the next
1: the next person we meet is Marin.
0: Maren. Yes. Right. And we, I do know we, I can't remember if this is one where we started with like a memory and then we cut away, but I do know that we very quickly go to base camp.
1: Yes. And this was shocking to me. So base camp is uh, from the prologue. You right. might recall like you're the base camp is kind of this safe place where Nirmala goes to write her stories. Mm-hmm. It's where Atma kind of hangs out. It seems like it looks like it's like an old subway car that yes. has been abandoned in a park. That's yeah. of, very like boxcar children. Yeah, uh, to me. Um, and Interacting with Marin, it's the first time that we see this place kind of again. We mm-hmm. we see Base Camp again, and we see that there's someone besides Nirmala and Atma that have been there. And it's yes. Marin.
0: Yes. And it's really interesting because um we see it and we're we do not believe because At- Atma even says I didn't think anyone else knew about this mm-hmm, place.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: Marin says, "Well, I'm very familiar with this place," but is reticent to tell us why. Uh, we don't know what what history she has here. But we do get the magic wand from her, which is strange because we're like, "How do you what do you, how do you know about this?" How do this? you even know about this? Yeah, That's wh- from
1: my prolog memory. Right.
0: Like, what are you doing with this thing? And we learn a new skill and that is to begin to open up rifts. So now we have somehow been able to in and, and Atma even says, like, wait, how is Matt what is magic? And Marin's like, now you're questioning magic, like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, <laughs> Which exactly. I thought was a really cute moment. And you can open up rifts to then travel, we think back in time. Yeah. We're not quite sure, but we presume it's back in time. Uh, and we can tell because there's also a sepia tone to everything, it's a lot warmer. So it feels like an old photograph, you know, mm-hmm. memory. Um, and When we do this, we learn that Marin is actually Raya's childhood best friend. Yes. Uh, And it all changed when Atma showed up.
1: It strikes you as the like, oh, she's kind of the good guy of the story. That's how I felt interacting with Marin. Like this is someone who has Raya's best interests at heart. Yes. That's trying to do good. And there wasn't any of the kind of nefarious undertones that you got with Lulu and things Mm -hmm. like that. It's like, man... Raya actually, we I took a note like she helped to decorate base camp. Yes, she is an active part of like someone that we believe is on Raya's side, and we're gonna work together to try and fix this world which is kind of falling apart around us. Yes, yeah, and fix the people in that world together by helping them by going in the past. Like we go into the past, we space dive in the past, we help people resolve these like traumatic or bad experiences in the past
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that shifts the
2: future
0: yes and what's been happening up through because we're in chapter four now and in chapters two and three we do see slight ever so slight changes to the world right um like the cinema becomes increasingly more dilapidated like it's been years since someone saw a movie there it's like i just um, held my
1: girlfriend's hand yeah there. We we're like
0: we just we were <laughs> over there just a second ago and so at this point, when we're with Marin and we're trying to figure out where Raya is, every there is debris flying. Mm-hmm. People are acting very strangely. They're talking about the festival, but it, they, again, it's almost like not. it's beyond glitches. They are behaving abnormally. They're doing these weird kind of poses. And it seems it's almost like if this was any other game, I would be like, nope, I'm out of here because this feels like a horror game. Like this is very, very not right. Things are broken here.
1: Very broken. Um, we get we get to, we re-meet the, the dojo master, the fighter guy. Yes.
2: Who was yeah. one of my favorite
1: characters in the whole game. Oh my god! So the guy who teaches you to fight in like chapter one <laughs> or two, uh, in like his, in the arcade and teaches mm-hmm. you how to deal with the bullies or whatever. We meet him again, but he's mm-hmm. struggling. He's he not able to, he doesn't want to help you like fight your way through the crowd and get to Raya. And so we go We do like a series. There was a lot of time hopping in this chapter, but this is one that really stuck out out to me.
0: I really liked it. Basically, you are not only, you're moving through different places and you're also moving through different, like three different points in time. Mm -hmm. So this is probably, this is the most complex puzzle that we've had to date in the game. And it feels very much like we're at the climax, like climax. This is, solving this is going to unlock really the big finale. And so that's the sense I got. I did feel like at this point I was so ready and excited to see what happened next. I was like, Oh my gosh, I just want to move through this a little faster.
1: Um, I, I'll just do it. Since you said that, I'll just do a quick timeout to talk about like The fetch quest type of game. Yes. I think this is actually why fetch quest games bother me sometimes Mm -hmm. is because there is no sense of urgency. Yeah. Your link, the world is ending. This monster is taking over this island. Go find 17 ducks and bring them to the sky. (laughs) And it's like, well, do it as fast as you can. But it's like, well, really, you're in bullet time. You can go do anything you want in the town. Right. But it's like things are literally falling from the sky. And yet you have to stop and like help this kid find his soccer ball from the past to connect him mm-hmm. back with his dad and his past. Like th- that, it it really affects the pacing of the story for me. Yes. And it's like, well, I understand the narrative is telling me this is urgent, but the gameplay is telling me that, oh, you should take your time and do all of the. the
0: right, quests. right. It It almost felt like. I don't know if I would have maybe enjoyed if they had divided, like added one more chapter to make it feel like the chapters were a little shorter, but perhaps paced like that would have altered the pacing for me where maybe we did those quests. But before all of the stuff with Raya happens, Um, because I still found like I found the story the side uh the space dive with the doomsday profiteer and his son really fascinating and one of the more for me personally one of the more poignant ones um because his whole thing is um i think i I ended up writing this down because i was like this is this line just kind of broke my heart um we go to the microphone guy and he basically is saying, I need to hustle. I need to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. This is why he's working so hard all of the time. And you ultimately uh, have this kid and you know, he's like, my dad's not paying attention to me. I want to play ball. And you get the kid basically a Game Boy. <laughs> I think <laughs> yep. they call it something different, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Game Boy. And the kid says, like, I don't even need Papa anymore. hmm And as a kid who grew up, you know, with a Game Boy, with increasing screen time, and as a person who does use a lot of screen time, that idea of replacing just people, but also your family and your papa with like, hey, well, I can find just as good entertainment on this screen, Mm -hmm. that like made me very, very sad. And the fact that the papa saw this and said, well, don't let this distract you. What good is a father who can't provide? And even, and then it goes into the, then you think about capitalism and the fact that this dad knows that and wants to spend time with his child, but realizes that the only ability for any kind of security, safety, mobility for his son is to make sure that he provides a stable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see that also with, um, with Nirmala because the dad talks about how the big thing he's he's angry about, and we realize it's probably a lot more than just this, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, the a lot of the inciting sort of point for anger is because he took out so many loans and he is in debt because he's mm-hmm. trying to make sure Nirmala goes to a good school and gets good grades.
1: That's his perception. That's his right? perception, yeah. right.
0: And so this idea of, of, again, these... Also this idea of men and masculinity and having to provide for your family and that being the thing you must do to be acceptable in society. There's just a lot here. Oh my
1: gosh. (laughs) That was so good. I did have a slightly different take on the Game Boy part. So totally agree with the dad part. Right on board with you there. Um, I saw the Game Boy uh, as being a way to connect the kid with his peers. So...
0: Yeah, that is true. Because
1: you learn that like all of his the reason he doesn't have anyone to play soccer with him yes football uh is because all of his friends are playing game boy yes and you give him the game boy and i think you could make a case for like so that he has something to like entertain him he's not really right, on his dad right. but i think a, for me a generous read would be this is a lot going to allow him to yeah. connect with his friends in a way that he can't right now
0: yes and i think i <laughs> think both probably to an extent are true because i think especially in the absence of uh, a father figure or the family Mm -hmm. structure it's like who do as human beings who do we turn to you have your found family you have your friends and so i think absolutely that is right um but it did break my heart a little bit when a kid is just like i don't need my dad anymore it's like oh man it
1: was it was tough i totally agree um I would love to hop back to the dojo guy for a second. Yeah, Which is my favorite, uh, (laughs) like, puzzle for this this particular chapter. Mm -hmm. You go back and, like, his dojo is struggling and so it's going to close in the future. And essentially, like, you rewrite the past so that it it doesn't close. And he, like... Some of the bullies, it turns out, will become his students and then they'll help fight alongside yeah. of you. Um, there is a really funny moment, which is like it's just an Easter egg again. Like there's so many funny references oh in this gosh, game.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but there is uh, on the dojo. There are the words strike later, strike soft, <laughs> have mercy which are the inverse of the Cobra Kai dojo yes. <laughs> uh, from Karate Kid, and first of all, just a hilarious thing because like you are you have to uncover that as part of resolving yeah. his like background <laughs> is like what what's the expression on the wall here? Mm-hmm. But it was like. The whole I a central point of the karate kid is that you should not strike first and strike hard and have no mercy. that that's <laughs> yes. actually like the bully way to engage with the world. Yeah. and so seeing it like plainly spelled out as like you can be like in this case like it's a martial artist it's a mm-hmm. dojo. they're teaching you the martial arts. and yet it's being done in a way that is like you are like there's a way that you can approach this that doesn't make you the bully. And that idea of bullying, just kind of continuing that, that thread throughout was like, I don't know. It was really important to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, it's a really, really good point. Um, with, with that, we do another big fight. Uh, we now have not got an anime on our side, but, you know, we have a few dojo members and sensei yeah. with us. Um, what's really – did you get um, – as a side note, there was a memory that we unlock – uh that I was wondering if you got it's Atma sharing his bottle cap collection with Nirmala,
2: yes, I just
0: wanted to hide, because I thought this moment was very, very sweet and like got it got me mm. um because we learned that Nirmala you know is really entranced by this bottle cap collection when Atma says, Oh well, do you collect anything or do you collect bottle caps? We learned that Nirmala's dad threw her collection away, so again, this disregard for not only um Not only his daughter in the sense of, like, not respecting, you know, her desires as wanting to be an artist, but throwing away just things that she's interested in, which is, as a kid, like, what a violation of just your sense of self, right?
1: I used to have a um, Virtual Boy, which is one of Nintendo's, (laughs) like, early failures as a console. (laughs) It's like a red, like, I think like a VR headset that you just, Mm -hmm. like, stuck your face into and everything that you saw was in, like, Various shades of red on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it had a controller that took, I think, either six or eight AA batteries to work. <laughs> and um, when I got tired of using the Virtual Boy, which did not take very long... I remember I would store things in the battery compartment of the virtual boy. That was my like, I have have two younger brothers. And so I didn't want them getting into my things. And so that's where I would hide things uh, was in the the remote control. Uh, I don't know at what point I shifted from hiding things to hiding money inside. (laughs) But the day that we ended up selling the virtual boy at a garage sale, I happened to check the controller of my virtual boy and I found like, A lot of money for a kid inside there that I had totally forgot that I had kind of squirreled away inside.
0: (laughs) Also, what a great find. Like, it's like when you put on a jacket after a long winter and you're like, the first time you check your pockets and you find like a $10 or $5 or even a dollar, you're just like, oh, passed me. Thank you. Uh,
1: Thank you, passed me. You know, as we move more and more to digital currencies, uh, it's me less time that we have those joyful pocket money moments. Oh, that's so true. RIP.
0: R.I.P. One other thing. Okay, so this, before we get further in the plot, because we're basically at the end of the chapter here. uh, But there is one thing that we encounter is this white cow in a field. And that white cow basically says, hey, if you've pet like all the animals, you know, you can get you can pet the fluffiest one. And the first time I played, I was one short. I will say that. And it was the most heartbreaking thing. And Oof. that's when I knew I had to play the game
2: mm-hmm.
0: again. And the second time through, I was able to successfully pet all the cats. Yes. And it brought me to a scene where I'm. it's such a lovely scene that's not critical to the game, but I think very important. And it makes me a little sad that it's like hidden behind that achievement only because I think when I played it and got this bit of information, it really... It just – it hit and it made the mm. conclusion feel a little different. So um, what I love is you go when – you, when you've when you pet all the cats, you can space dive into the white cow or white ox or whatever the, the, the beast is. And you see this – I don't know what it is. It almost looked like um, – the dragon the dancing dragons that you see in like the chinese new year festival Hmm. but it had i think more of a monkey face so it was slightly different but it had that kind of era era of festivity and like opulence to it and in its structure and its design and it is um i think it was called barong and it was the um basically the thing that said hey you've pet all the cats um and i'm i'm kind of their representative and they all love you for petting them and giving them names um and they i wrote this down and it said he said they said names have power almost like magic it's the first step to understanding ourselves
2: Ooh. <sighs> which is
0: really significant because we're getting to the point in which uh the big twist happens. so i want to remember that quote because that is really important for how yes. to understand what happens later in the game the big reveal um but we also get a memory of nirmala and atma petting cats and he asks her about her friends and we reinforce again that she doesn't have friends so going back to that game boy and that kid where it's like hey that kid was able to create at least a structure of other friends outside of Mm. the family that was absent Mm. nirmala does not have that
1: Ooh, so
0: we already we we're again we're building we have all these pieces we haven't built the puzzle quite yet but we have another piece we also learned in this memory cat wonderland was atma's idea So,
1: (laughs) which
0: is, which changes the way you think about the movie theater scene in chapter one, because Rhea brings that up. And so now here's the thing, though. Atma made up Cat Wonderland when talking to Nirmala and talking about having friends and having this wonderful Cat Wonderland where you can have your friends and we see it show up. When Rhea takes us to the movies. So.
1: I cannot believe that. And then all the people in the movie theater start acting like cats afterwards. Yes. Oh my goodness.
0: Yes. Oh,
1: I'm so. (sighs) Now I'm doubly pissed that I didn't get. (laughs) I didn't pet all the animals.
0: It's such. It's. It really affects, especially now that I've played it once and I was playing it again to get this achievement, it really changed and like added a lot of depth to my feelings about the game and its conclusion mm-hmm. and everything that they were saying.
1: Oh, so can we talk about the end of chapter four? Because this is something that like, yes. I did not understand. And I'm, I'm wondering if maybe like, you you picked yeah. up on it. So we go through a, a very similar experience mm-hmm. uh, with Marin that we did with Lulu and Eric, mm-hmm. uh, where we, we do the space dive thing. She transforms into a giant snail. You know, yes. she gets disintegrated for whatever happens, yes. happens. <laughs> um, I did not understand where things soured with Marin. So like yes. you understand what happened with Eric. You understand what happened with Lulu. And it, the thing for me with Marin was maybe it was just like Marin just was not able to meet the needs that Raya had. And that that was Okay, sure. But like, I couldn't tell if there was something more specific that I was just, there was subtext that I was missing there.
0: Yeah, I think for me and what I interpreted, um, so Marin A has more resources and opportunity than normalis. So I think even though they're mm. best friends, there is a tension there where, um, they both love to create and write and draw and color and where Marin was like, Hey, I could ask my dad for more coloring stuff because they'll just get it for me because they're excited for me that I found a passion. Nirmala says, I can't ask my dad for that. He doesn't even want me to do this. And so even though they're best friends, there is this tension because of the just ability to access and the support Mm. they have from family. But also, I think it's in this chapter that we see it, um, but, and we definitely see it closer to the conclusion of the game. Marin has opportunities to step in when Lulu and the other kids are bullying. Uh, That's
1: right. Yeah, when they're okay. bullying Rhea. Yeah. And
0: so there is guilt on Marin's side for not stepping up for her friend. And I think there is resentment from from Rhea from the fact that not only did I introduce you to this world of art and drawing and creating stories, but you you weren't there for me when I needed yeah. it. And you said you were my best friend.
2: Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> um
0: what I thought was really interesting too um was when Marin gets changed into the snail, um, we get a line and I forget, I didn't write down who who said this. Um, but oh, we do get a scene where Marin in high school is asking Rhea um raya i keep saying raya because r-a-y and that's why i read it's it raya. while i was playing yeah and then
1: when we talked to demas i said, know raya, i'm just I, like oh uh, uh,
0: so sorry i know i keep switching back and forth but i my brain is also trying to hold these other thoughts in my head um when we see we see raya and marin talking and marin asks raya why doesn't she go by Nirmala anymore?
1: That's right. This is the big reveal.
0: This is the big reveal because now we know that Raya and Nirmala are one and the same and that line that I saw my second playthrough about names um what is it they said names have power almost like magic is the first step to understanding ourselves and we see it in movies like spirited away right when chihiro's name gets taken away and be- she becomes Sen. She
1: becomes Sen. That's there's right.
0: power in knowing who you are knowing your name and having like that sense of identity and in changing how she was referred to uh, by her fellow classmates by everyone in the world i mean there's some stuff happening with with raya
1: a quick uh, text-to-text connection here. Yeah. Uh, w- uh, we, we both read Name of the Wind yes. and uh, The Kingkiller Chronicle. Yes. Uh, one of my my still, like, my leading theories of what's happening is that Kvothe, the main character, uh, who now goes by Coat, the bartender, mm-hmm. uh, the reason that he's lost his powers and the reason that he isn't the same anymore is because he changed his name. So I yeah. anytime someone is changing names... I, and it like that name has meaning. I am yes. always into those stories. Like, yeah. Name of the Wind is a great example. The Earthsea series is a great example. Yes. Like, something about like the power of names that when that gets referenced, I always am just like mm-hmm. I'm instantly in.
0: But also, it's so important, you know, when when a person gets your name wrong, right, how do you like that is one of the worst feelings. If you're if your boss calls you by the wrong name or mm-hmm. if your parent calls you by your full name, you know, is the, the the differences in. <laughs> Who and how they say your name, it's so huge. Oh, yes. And so even if you're not changing your name, you know, from R- Raya to Nirmala, like that's a pretty significant change it right. feels like. But but if someone calls me Jenny versus calling me Jennifer or before, you know, calling me Jen, depending on who they are and their tone, like all of those feel so very different in some ways really great, in some ways very demeaning. Or if they call me Jessica, that's a whole nother thing. And Names are powerful.
2: Ooh.
0: That's why, like, as teachers, you know the. Oh man, it drove me wild. There was one teacher I worked with who didn't really make a point to like memorize the names of their students until like they were just like, it'll happen. I'll do that, and I was like, that is n- number one. Don't be that. The worst thing as any teacher could do is not immediately know the names of all their students. Um, you have those classlets ahead of times. You have the photos for most of your students from the yearbook. Memorize those names because it's especially for a kid who's already struggling. Like kids, they're developing their identity. The least you can do is get their name right or call them how they want to be called. Use the pronouns that they want them Mm -hmm. to be used. You know, Uh,
1: when I was an assistant principal back at a K through 12 school, the administrators, not, not even the teachers, the mm-hmm. administrators had a contest every year to see who could memorize all like 600 students names first. Mm-hmm. And we would have to like, to we'd have to prove it. So we'd go to, we'd go to <laughs> lunch one meeting. of the days. <laughs> no, it was having during the students lunch. So like oh, the administrators okay. would go to the lunchroom and we'd sit down and we would just point to every single student and try and mm-hmm. name every single one of them. And it was like, anyone who didn't have it down in the first month of school, it was like, shame, yeah. shame, shame, Like, even if like teachers, yes, of course, but even like administrators and school uh, employees that are not teachers, it's like, man, the mm-hmm. power of saying like, we are in community together. We are in the same space, same space for eight hours a day. Like there is power in knowing students' names. Granted, if you're in a school that has 2000 kids instead of 600, different story. I understand. But there's something (laughs) about just like having the power of that name. I I totally agree.
0: Absolutely. Um, And we get the lines um, at this point because now we know that these the the perceptions or the the transformations that we see and i think it's nirmala or Basque that says this um but like this is not marin you know this isn't eric this mm-hmm. isn't lulu mm-hmm. this is raya's perception of them twisted by jealousy um, and her constant denial is hurting her
1: i, I wrote the same in the same sequence mm-hmm. as uh raya has raya has to be able to face the things she's kept inside all this time
0: absolutely like
1: all of this so this is your like big spoiler moment for the whole game every single thing that we have experienced since we like drowned at the beginning of the game has not been like based in a physical reality it has Mm -hmm. all been inside raya's mind grown-up nirmala uh, or teenage nirmala And uh, every character that we meet is a part of her subconscious. Every piece of drama that we meet is Mm -hmm. something that maybe it happened in the real physical world somewhere. But more than anything, like there's probably some connection back to Raya that she is working through in this moment.
0: And I think it's kind of interesting considering we played to the moon last (laughs) month because also there's this element of – this is her perception of what happened. This is her perception of how people are treating her. And it doesn't make it any less real. But it also, you also start thinking about how does the way that she is already dealing with a lot of family troubles, the way that she is dealing now, uh, we learn um, with the loss of Atma. um, How is that coloring her interactions with other people and affecting the way that she is interpreting some of the events that are happening and, you know, we we don't know at this yeah. point.
1: And in chapter five, right, the central premise is like we are outside of this like
0: mm-hmm. mental
1: space. Like everything is ethereal. Everything mm-hmm. is very abstract going forward for the most part. Right. Um, you talk with child Nirmala. Yes. And you talk with Bosk, who is essentially like her avatar to help you through this. Yeah. And um, Nirmala has this line that I thought was like, this must come straight from the psychiatrist. <laughs> I just want her to pay attention to me. That's Nirmala yes. talking about Raya. Yeah. And this is the thing like for those of us who have experienced childhood trauma or even just like significant uh, roadblocks growing up, you have to, like, I'm, I'm, I'll say you have to, like, this has been my experience, disclaimer, asterisk, you have to address that inner child if you're going to heal from it and move forward mm-hmm. as an adult. Mm-hmm. And that line to me was the line that said, like, I, I'm glad that Dimas told us that uh, they had a psychiatrist on, tra- on staff because I was like either someone did their homework or there's someone who like is in the profession that helped with this part of the game because yeah. it is what that is what you are doing. Like this entire yeah. game is you working through these childhood traumas mm-hmm. for this now teenage Raya.
0: Yes, Um, And I think one important question that Dimas brought up and that we have kind of skirted around as we've talked today is the question of how do you help someone who may not be willing to help themselves or is not prepared to see what they need to do to help themselves? And at this point, it's really becoming crystal clear. We have Atma, we have Nirmala, and they're both trying to find ways to get through to Raya and and heal her mm-hmm. but at this point raya says wants none of it raya has created additional like i called it shadow atmas
2: <laughs> yeah
0: raya's created additional shadow atmas to just try and make sure that the world that she's created in her mind is as perfect and close to the bucket list that they created at the start of the game yes as can possibly be
1: so i like to kind of skip ahead so that we can come back mm-hmm. to this moment like in, in physical reality, yes. you're going to wake up as – you wake up the player as Raya yes. in a hospital, right? Yeah. So I guess kind of the implication, just to make sure that like we're all moving together here, is like this is almost like you are – Uh, there's a comatose patient and this is all happening Mm -hmm. within that like mental space. Is that kind of how you thought about this experience?
0: Yes. Yeah. And so at the end of the game, when you wake up and you see the hospital light and you see Raya's mom, I honestly, my first thought was like, was there maybe an incident of like self harm? Did something happen where Raya was basically at the point of giving up? And that was the fracturing of the mind as you saw the, the almost like, the manifestation of what was happening physically in her mind Mm -hmm. is everything was breaking apart and she was choosing maybe not to go on.
1: Yes. And this is where like, I brought this question at the very, very beginning, which is like um, this question around like, who are you in the future? Mm -hmm. I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if maybe there was like a, this is totally conjecture. There's no like evidence for this, but like one of the things I was wondering is like maybe within her high school experience with everything else of it that had happened with like the real life, Eric and the real life, Lulu and the real life, Maureen, I was wondering if there had been an assignment recently that was like, make your future plans and that Mm -hmm. that was maybe one of the triggering events Mm -hmm. because it felt like it was such a like Mm -hmm. important part of chapter one. And then you just kept getting callbacks to it. I think one of the codes that you uncover in chapter five is on the piece of paper, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that piece of paper is one of the things that helps the teacher realize he's not in the military. Like it just seems like that, uh, that element comes through, uh, more and more, I think I even wrote like there was a a line, it, it was the same thing, right? Like the th- we talked about this earlier. You shouldn't miss this kind of opportunity to plan for your future. Like mm-hmm. this idea of like, how do you grow and how do you move forward when you have such significant trauma and baggage behind mm-hmm. you?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that makes total sense when we think about everything that the memories are focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all sitting in the past it's all sitting in the 90s it's like she does not she's not ready to move on past the point in which a lot of these um earlier childhood traumas have happened she yeah. can't move on right beyond it and so i think that is a really good and very likely hypothesis it makes sense to me uh, absolutely
1: so I have a question for you. And yeah. I, I, we didn't really talk about many of the mechanics of chapter five. I think you should play it and experience yeah. it. Yeah. Like, it's a really like, <laughs> it's a very diverse experience. It pulls like everything that you did throughout the game earlier is mm-hmm. like one shots. You do it all together. Yep. And I think it was like a really clever way to do that. Um, I'd like to ask you, um, I'd like to step, step back and ask you a question. Mm-hmm. And you could think of this as potentially multiple choice. Oh, God. Um, the question is, who is the unbound I'm going to read you a couple things. Okay. Okay. So in favor of Atma, uh, there is a quote from the game where it says, uh, he is a specimen unbound by the laws of reality who cannot perish in this realm. Raya's Mm -hmm. mind. Uh, You're the only person that isn't bound by the world of illusions. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. Now for Raya, Uh, there's a line that says Raya is unbound from physical reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, the townsfolk, the townsfolk are not physically real people yep. in the game. Ninety eight percent of the game. They are unbound from the physical reality. They are not bound by that reality. They are creations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. So let me let's let's pause there. So like, yeah. thoughts on like who is the unbound?
0: OK, I'm going to take that and take one step take back. It, take it further back. Because. I think the idea of like breaking down the title in particular and the word choice is really, really important and really, really a wise thing to do Uh, because space and unbound are both very significant and Mm
2: -hmm. words that you would not
0: use else, you know, they're not filler words. What I think is also interesting is we have the Magic Red Journal and I think immediately when I hear unbound, I think of books and the unbound nature of this journal and how the pages were torn apart. (gasps) Uh, and you're also trying to piece it back together. <laughs> That's
1: so good. That is so, so, so good. So
0: I think there's a multiple level. I think all of the above, is there, is there an E oh. all of the above?
1: Well, the unbound could be a plural, right? Right.
0: That's true. So, oh. I, and I think, again, I think in terms of space, it's not only thinking of the, like there is physical space that we are, you know, it's in the mind, but in, in our, experience of it it's a physical space in which we're navigating but also it probably in my opinion alludes to the mental space that you have to provide for yourself to be able to work through a lot of these issues
1: oh my god jenny that is so (laughs) good let me add to your space point yeah because that was going to be the second part of my question so bosk says that uh these people aren't real they're just fragments of the north Mm. the north princess's memory uh completely deep detached unbound from reality but um, there's also an, a, a quote that says moving on, isn't the same as forgetting me. I'll always be here right yes. where you left me. So this idea of space being a, a mm-hmm. physical part, like the where I'm mm-hmm. right here, mm-hmm. I am in you, I am in this space. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about like the space versus the unbound. Like, what are you, what are you thinking with all of this?
0: Okay. So the gosh, there's so much. Okay. <laughs> Especially when approaching grief, mm-hmm. grief is a really interesting feeling and process because sometimes grief, because grief ebbs with time. Uh, the further you get away from a loss, oftentimes the the more you're able to process it. The more you're able to work through it and go about daily life and move on. At the same time, grief has this really nasty habit of like punching back in in Mm -hmm. moments and almost negating the space that you had from whatever happened. And so I think there's, and we know that Raya is dealing with grief, Mm -hmm. dealing with the loss of a friend she held very dear in Mm -hmm. Atma. And so it's really interesting because she is unable to give that space to process the grief. She's holding Atma so close because she's afraid of what's happening if she provides that space. In my in my opinion, I think
1: oh, y'all getting this. Thank this, you. Is, this
2: is
0: this is you're asking the good this? questions. This is, very, this is incredible. Oh. But yeah, I'm curious what you where where you were going also, and what you were thinking as you were playing this.
1: So I am torn on a very practical question yeah. that will influence my answer to this, and I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah, um, is Atma a ghost? Oh, oh, stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> Atma, real Atma, dies right uh, at the beginning of the game, and we learned that Atma was a person. Yes. Atma was a runaway homeless youth
2: mm-hmm. that
1: uh, ran away from his family. Was essentially, it sounds like living in the base camp, mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to be a writer. Had this passion on writing. Yep. Uh, struck up this unlikely friendship with this <laughs> uh, this this child, uh, Nirmala, and then eventually we know will die, and. You don't see Atma again after Raya wakes up in the hospital. Right. And so my wondering was, is Atma a literal ghost that is interacting with comatose Raya and mm-hmm. helping her as an outside entity? They keep tell- The game keeps telling us that he is outside, that he is right. different than the constructs inside Raya's mind. Um, but we never see him again afterwards. Right. And so either A he is a ghost and he is interacting (laughs) in this kind of psychological space uh, with Raya to help her move through this stuff Mm -hmm. or B, he is also a construct for Mm -hmm. Raya that she has created within her own mind. And so I guess my answer to uh, who is the unbound really depends on the answer to that question. So I'd love to get Mm. your, your theory. You laying it on ghost Atma or construct Atma. I... Or something totally
2: different.
0: I personally... I I toyed with both of those as well. And I personally enjoy the path of taking Construct Atma. Um, I I enjoy thinking about Atma being a real person that had left such a mark on Raya and Nirmala mm. that she wasn't able to really... You know, especially at the young age and with what she was dealing with, that she really felt especially guilty about what happened and so she maintained that construct of him in her mind uh, and he became almost like a, an imaginary friend ghost that oh, she held on yeah. to for so long uh, that's that's what that was what my interpretation that's so was
1: interesting so you find it um you find it almost like an encouraging idea that Atma, physical Atma, made such an impact that he is now imprinted on her subconscious and then becomes a construct.
0: That was what my idealistic self was hoping. You know,
1: (laughs) for me, it's the inverse. Like for me, like I don't have I'm not sure which one is going to is true, but I am I am almost more encouraged by the idea that Uh, some outside entity came and helped work through this stuff alongside Raya. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting that it's like uh, the thing that we both find hopeful is kind of the inverse scenario. Yeah. Get in the comments. Let us (laughs) know. What do you think? Do you you find it more encouraging? Ghost Atma, Construct Atma, some other Atma that we haven't thought of. I'm super curious about this.
0: Yeah, because also... Because in both situations, because Atma is real, like he he was a real person. And for me, there was a brief moment where I was like, was Atma ever even real? And I don't think I think that's disproven in the game, but I don't remember specifically how. But there was a brief moment because you're talking about what's an alternative to ghost or construct. And there was a point in time where I was like. Maybe he was entirely construct and never real in the yeah, first place. Yeah. Um
1: no, I think they I think they leave that a question. Yeah. Because like Marin specifically says, like, who is this person? <laughs> yeah, There's I've never no seen him. Yeah, exactly. Like it sounds like a it sounds like it's a made up person. So right. I, I don't know. I think the game kind of leaves that a bit ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, if you go back and listen to our interview with Dumas, we ask who the hero of the game is.
2: Mm-hmm. And he
1: does say that even though the game explicitly calls atma the hero multiple times that it's really raya saving herself well and
0: so, okay so spoilers for a decades old game at this point final fantasy 10 um but that's i i firmly am like we are the vessel through which we see the story mm. but this is Raya's story right, right. that yeah. Raya for me is absolutely the protagonist and it's very much the feeling I get when I play Final Fantasy or that you're I think supposed to it's designed <laughs> that you get when you play Final Fantasy 10 because Yuna is this is Yuna's story in Final Fantasy 10 she is the one that everything centers around and you as Tidus are the playable character but this is ultimately not your story Ooh. and also there's some really interesting parallels in what Titus ends up being uh at the end of final fantasy 10 X to make the changes things a little bit but at the end of 10 you also are curious about Titus and whether or not is he real is he a construct is all of that stuff
1: uh i just a quick list because as i was prepping for today's conversation i was was thinking through all the like movies that i love that play on this idea so i'll just like rapid fire uh my top four Mm, that that kind of use this kind of setup um uh, quick caveat i have not rewatched many of these in years so i don't know if any of them have problematic things in them Mm -hmm. like by today's standards most of them are relatively old uh the machinist with christian bale Mm -hmm. uh big one for sure Fight Club very popular obviously Donnie Darko was one that was one of my favorites growing up and, and also DeMoss one that DeMoss mentioned. referenced uh, and I'll also throw in Pan's Labyrinth as one that oh, kind of references and man. leaves you guessing like how much of this is a, a physical reality and how much of this is within the character mm-hmm. a child's uh, mind
2: mm-hmm. man
0: I loved Pan's Labyrinth um, that one that's one that I can't watch very often it's like you don't watch that all the time you watch that like once every a couple years Yeah, uh, for sure <laughs> <laughs> Um, so as we were, we're basically at the end of the game and I wanted to highlight, uh, one scene, two scenes. The first is as you are going into your final showdown with, um, no, sorry. Yes. Sorry. I'm getting excited. So I'm losing my place. Uh, when you are headed to your final showdown with Raya, you see, uh, Bosk is w- uh, with you and you see admirable, admiral, admiral, yeah. And so you have this scene where you are trying to run towards Raya and get to her to try and save her. And you have these two giant gargoyle cats fighting in the background because Admiral wants you to step away. Like, let her let her do her thing. Let her live in this state of happiness. Happiness. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, quote. Quote, happiness. Uh,
0: and, oh, my gosh, this scene is... It got my blood pumping. I was so excited because you see the like flashes of light as they like come together and pull away. It feels like you're in the middle of an anime.
2: I
1: recorded so much of that experience for myself to rewatch. It is so cool. And it's yeah. like almost like that Dragon Ball Z thing where you see like <laughs> lines flashing in the background. So yeah. like, uh, I could even keep up with them. They're at, a, they're, they're at a power level way beyond what I can see. Like that's how you feel like watching that in the background. It was very cool.
0: It's incredible. And there's this, kind of humorous because both of them ended up getting so tired and then i think Bosk was like get us some fancy feast <laughs> <laughs> yes. and then, every, then they're like yeah we're just gonna eat fancy feast you go ahead. the
1: most cat-like ending to that conflict oh my gosh
0: so i really really appreciated that um and then we face giant raya which i had I really love the epicness, but I think this was also one battle where I'm like, Oh, I wish the battle had been just a little shorter because I was ready. I was ready to hit the end of the story. And I actually ended up, um, because I was playing this on my steam deck and the screens a little bit smaller. And I kind of misjudged a couple of my steps and got like knocked out. Mm -hmm. And I had to redo a couple parts and I was just like ready to be ready to be in the finale.
1: Uh, I did not realize until like my eighth try fighting a giant blue riot,
0: which was a gorgeous
1: scene, by the oh, way.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: I did not realize that if you look for the shadows of the falling things, you can guess <laughs> where they are falling. Yeah. And so I kept trying to see them fall from the top of the screen and move out of the way in time. Oh, but,
0: you did on hard mode. Well, yeah. And like I
1: in like I people called this out in our Discord that it's kind of frustrating how slowly you you walk and move in this right. game. But like if you're trying to dodge things falling from the sky as soon as you <laughs> see them on the screen, there is no way you're getting out of the way in time. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Eventually I I figured out like, wait, oh, there are shadows. You can figure out where these things are falling and I could beat it.
0: But. yes. Um yeah, I Yep. (laughs) No, nothing to add there. I I feel that completely. Um, And so we go through this battle and through it, um, Raya is basically like saying, why can't you just why can't you just be happy? Why can't you just let me sit in this? Why can't you just sit in this? What why are we fighting? Why are we doing this, my love? You know, and she's saying all this stuff and it sounds great, but we know that this is not truly happiness for her. And what ends up happening is we defeat her in this battle and we enter a void. And when we look for her in this black void with the blue lights mm-hmm. going, mm-hmm. we find her as giant Raya curled up in a ball, like just this statue, like curled up in a fetal position. Yeah. And we get the opportunity to do uh, a space dive into her into deeper into her psyche and that brings us to her house Mm. and the source of so much of the trauma and so much of her pain that she's holding on to and we learn all about her family life
1: can I just add like this specific moment was a point where I felt like the game was training real life Joel for how to talk to someone who is yeah. going through traumatic experiences. Basically like you go through a series of dialogue as you enter her into lo- her childhood home mm-hmm. where you try to talk with her and try and like uh say like let's let's come out of this together. Mm-hmm. And if you choose the wrong dialogue path it kind of restarts you in the scene and you yep. go through this like a couple times. And it was one of those things where there were times where I said things that I thought sounded good of the dialogue Mm. options, but they'd say like, you know, don't give me that like Pollyanna gift card, a greeting card line. Like that's not, I am trying to be kind to myself. Like, okay, cool. Thanks for telling me that. Um, And so I felt like it was one of those moments where they like think about like the, what games can do if a game can help us. Kind of subconsciously learn how to talk to someone that's having like a serious emotional emotionally traumatic uh experience or episode like wow like what a powerful thing for them to put in a game
0: right i this part like by this point of the game i was just kind of crying as i was playing this was
1: the moment they got like me, i sure.
0: i was like trying to see through the tears trying to just get through this because um yeah it's incredibly difficult and raya just she keeps saying like leave me alone like go away you're gonna leave anyways why do you even bother coming back like Mm -hmm. there is this like unwillingness still to just to let someone in and what really got me was when atma was like well i'm just gonna sit downstairs and like i'll keep i'll be here just Whenever you need me, but I'm just going to be here. And it's this whole idea of sometimes, especially when you're going through something hard, like hearing things from people, not helpful, Um, but just the willingness of people to hold space with you is so important. And I thought this game, like I got I got so choked up and I was just crying at this point.
1: This, yeah, like I said, this is the moment that got me as well, like emotionally mm-hmm. helped me helped me like really feel impacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think for this audience, for this podcast audience especially, um, if you are readers, I would highly recommend the book Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which is yeah. about two people that are founding a video game company and making video games together. Yep. And they, you know, you weave in and out of their personal lives and the traumatic experiences that they've had and are having. And they also that scene reminded me so much of two two scenes from this book where the characters mm. learn how to just be present for each other during these hard moments. And so if you also found yourself particularly moved by this scene, I'd highly recommend you check out the book, especially mm. if you like video games, which if you're in this podcast,
0: <laughs> I sure chance. hope so,
1: because if you don't, I don't know what
0: <laughs> the last couple hours have been maybe. a Yeah, waste. <laughs> maybe not a great
1: use of your time, but uh, happy to have you here. <laughs> not have oh isolated gosh. our audience. Yeah, no.
0: I'm like maybe they're just like listening about yeah. games. Um and at one point Atma asks and this goes back to what you were saying about the future, right? Because mm-hmm. Atma asks Rhea, "Well, what do you want?"
2: Yeah.
0: And Rhea says, "I don't know." Mm. And it it really struck me because especially at this point, Rhea, I said Rhea, uh she has basically constructed herself to be what she thinks and knows that society expects of her, that her father wants from her, that her mother wants from her. She's not herself. She has she has separated her her true self and like I mean we we didn't talk about it, but there's a scene where we see the moment where Raya basically, you know, when she's a kid as Nirmala pulls that side of herself out and physically says, I am no longer you, you be gone. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time she actually uses her power to like disappear people is when she disappears that core part of herself, the creative, inquisitive, kind of weird side of herself. And she even says something like, um, I I think she says, I want to be just a normal girl. Like, I just want to be normal, not lonely or delusional and someone who killed her only friend. And that's that's the first time we see the blue. Hmm. And it's so heartbreaking because she doesn't know who she she doesn't know herself. She has lost sight of it. And so when you ask a question like, Well, what what helps? What do you want me to do? What do you want? How could she answer that if she doesn't really know herself anymore? Yep.
1: Total disassociation, fully (sighs) out your mind.
2: Yep. (sighs)
1: Yeah, I I think, again, like it's a moment where we start the game has done such a they did their homework. They really Mm -hmm. tried to make sure that this was not a cheap ploy or using these kind of dissociative events as a trope, but more so showing you how it's not until you start reconciling these things that happened within your past that you can actually start moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that that idea and how this game talks about like what is growth? I think it really comes through clearly in Mm -hmm. moments like this.
0: Yeah. And we do get to the point where um, Raya is outside of the room, is sitting on the roof. Atma is able to join her. And this interaction happens. And it's so, it's like, it's bittersweet. Mm. Because um, Raya asks, like, well, what makes you happy? Um, And Atma's like, you know, the little things. Um, and Rai even comments like, your bucket list was things like bottle caps. And, you know, <laughs> these little things are making you happy. Um, and, you know, these ordinary things are something that brings joy. And I yeah. think that's such an important thing to remember. Uh, again, you know, I know when I think about the future, I tend to think about the big things, the big trips, the big goals. And it's important to remember the little ordinary everyday things that impact you and make you happy. And then she asks, "Well, what makes you sad?" Or I think Atma asks it. They they ask it of each other, and Atma says, "Some you know you have the options to pick from a few different things." And when asked, um, Rea says, "Well, you make me happy, but you aren't here anymore, and I'm alone and scared." Um, and in this makeshift world of mine, there doesn't have to be sadness. Mm-hmm. And so, again, this inability, like we were talking about this concept of even mental space, being afraid to give that mental distance and space away from Atma because he is the one thing that brought her joy. And it's like, well, if she lets it go, what else is there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, the way they have allowed us to consider physic in a physical way mm-hmm. so many of the abstract emotions and feelings that affect us uh, like the, are the human experience. Right. That's a that's a really in, a, an incredible thing for a game to be able to pull off.
0: It is. One thing that I thought of actually when I was playing this and the conversation especially that they have on the rooftop uh is from the movie Inside Out at the very end because um, the premise of the movie is you have each of these core emotions and they're very isolated and you have – if you're feeling joy, that's only joy. If you're feeling sadness, that's only sadness. And again, sorry, spoilers for a decades-old movie (laughs) at this point. Um, At the end of the movie, because the character in which these emotions are housed in, um, she – Basically, learns to feel bittersweet, which is the combination of sadness and joy. And this is kind of what is happening with R- Raya, yeah. where she's learning that things can't just be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. There has to be space for sadness, a because that allows you to feel those happy moments a little bit more. But also, you can hold both in the same like memory and yeah. in the same grasp.
1: I love it. So good.
0: Again, Inside Out, great movie.
1: Uh, That was the first movie I saw when I moved to Portland. Fun Uh, fact, everyone.
0: That is really cool. (laughs) Full circle moment.
1: (laughs) Full circle moment. And now here we are.
0: Yes. Well, and we have sort of the full circle moment in the game showing up now because Atma hands the Magic Red Journal to Raya and says, all right, this is this is yours. Now it's time for it to go back to his rifle owner. And we space dive. I think this is the last time in the game we space dive. And we go on a journey. We go on a little walk. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I am ugly crying. I am, I am red-faced. Tears are falling on the screen. Like, I'm just bawling at this point.
1: Is this the moment where you're walking with her kind of huddled and you're kind of... Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, the music is swelling. Oh. You are walking through... Uh, the sky, you're walking through storms., yeah. um yeah, uh, what, what was what was it that like really stood out to you about this experience?
0: Um so uh, referring to another game that that's again, an older game, but there's a game called Bastion, um, and it came out many years ago, but the premise is the world has been fractured by a mm. calamity. And in that game, as your character walks around, stones pop back up and you see the world physically coming back together, oh. piece by piece. It's a very good game. Honestly, we should probably play it. Okay. Um, <laughs> note for later. And when I saw the first steps that raya and atma take sort of into this cloud getting ready to go in the void and kind of do the final confrontation with all of the people in her psyche and you see the stones coming up and you see basically the idea of this fractured mind starting to rebuild and starting to heal um oh it just got me what about you
1: uh i think for me similarly like this whole ending sequence was the thing that like really like emotionally moved me i think mm-hmm. the rest of the game like it 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 felt like it was all questions and no and, and like not it wasn't focused on the answers and now that right. i had the answers i could be i could allow myself a little bit more emotional space to engage with what, what was actually happening to the characters yeah. and yeah i think that was that was it for me is like the amount of hope for mm-hmm. this character that like mm-hmm we are on the climb up now. We have like, we have identified, like we have the answers to like what has been going on in this story all along. And now it's just a a matter of time for us to like start moving forward. And if there's one thing that's gonna get me beyond like a sad (laughs) moment, it's when a sad moment turns into like, and now I'm moving forward. And yeah. that's what like really hit me about that scene.
0: Oh, it's it's incredible. And I think what's really nice, whether or not Atma is a figment, you know, construct, ghost, part of her imagination. it. What does matter to me is also that she did not necessarily, she's doing this on her own in the sense, in the real sense, but mentally she's not. And it just reinforced that idea of community mm. where maybe you don't need someone to like, do the thing for you but however someone can help whether it's by like holding your shoulder as you're taking the walk like that really struck me that she didn't take the walk by herself yeah Oh,
1: oh. <laughs>
0: feelings <laughs> somebody feelings. there
1: were some big feelings there
0: oh my gosh and so we go on this walk and we basically go down the list of every person you know the mm-hmm. that has provided us with grievance, with stress, with trauma. Yeah, starting with Eric. That's when he says the line the about
1: like we're more similar than you mm-hmm. thought or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think like obviously, I think in re- not maybe not obviously in re- in the re- physical reality world, Eric was also likely a victim of abuse right. and it sounds like probably did kill her cat in real life yes that was the vibe Which that is i got pretty
0: again that is still very messed up <laughs>
1: yeah that was a hard hard scene uh for sure and oh man you know it's interesting mm-hmm. that's the cat that was kind of her guide like the her yeah. cat was admiral right so yeah. like when the two big cat avatars are fighting it's the one that was like murdered by eric that is raya's so well another important part of foreshadowing yeah. there. um but yeah that was the moment for me and i was like i don't forgive you
2: eric I'll but the
0: never thing is <laughs> but the thing is and this is what i loved too because raya doesn't either she's yeah. like i'm going to try but this is not like i do will not just instantly forgive you and i loved that yes same. because If they had made it so Raya was like, now everything's hunky dory, Mm -hmm. um, I would have been immediately just pulled out of my emotional state. But because she's like, I don't right now, but I'm really going to do my best to, to provide you that forgiveness and try like that hit me even harder than if it was a perfect quote ending.
1: I think for me, that moment stood out in particular because when I read it at first, my like male manipulator mm. alarm was going off that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this guy is just asking for this so that he can get back with her. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, I had <laughs> I to like stop myself and be like, wait a second. No, 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 no. This is the construct. <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is not the real dude. This is a part of herself that she is trying to engage with. Right. And it's still causing her pain. And so she has to acknowledge that it's still causing her pain. Right. That that cat is not actually by her side. <sighs>
0: yeah oh yeah it's so good and we and we go down and we do the same thing for everyone else we have lulu we have marin um and we have mom and dad Mm. there oh that was so rough that was hard
1: that was hard the parent part was hard but that the mom was the first person you see when you wake up it was like this moment of Mm. like it felt like the, the the sky after a rain, right? Yeah. That's kind of how I felt when you yeah. woke up after that.
0: Oh, it was, yeah. It made me very happy to see the mom part of me as we were waking up. There was this split second flash of, oh my gosh, if we see... Like the dad, I don't know. I was like, I don't know who I want to see, but I just, I knew I was relieved when the mom was there.
1: Oh, yeah. I did not want to see the dad. No, yeah. (laughs) Not interested in that.
0: Yeah. It's like none of the, no one else in the village would have made sense. And it had, it had to be her mom because her mom, you know, we don't know or learn a ton other than she's also been subject to this abuse from her father and from her husband and so the fact that there's this this like ability for both of them to start moving on Mm -hmm. that fresh start Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that was so so powerful (sighs) we even get a moment with the cats
2: yes oh
0: okay i have to admit anything with cats will wreck me like pets animals i'm just just it's i'm too too weak for that um and there is a line that the cat gives where i just got wrecked um oh i think i forget if it was admiral or bosk but one of them says it's a great it's a cat's greatest sadness that we must often leave oh, before our time and i was just like don't even don't look at me don't i can't i can't do this because yeah just pets in general like oh yeah uh
1: my my dog Margot is 13 and was just diagnosed mm. with arthritis like two maybe like three weeks ago and so when i read that line all i could do was think about that and i was like nope 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 i can't i don't want to think about this right now i don't want to think about that it was very real
0: yeah same (laughs) well and like um rosie she's like 16 17 so she's getting quite old in cat years and like i you know she doesn't have arthritis but i can tell you know she's like looking a little bit skinnier because she's just older She's moving a little bit more slowly in the mornings. Her hops aren't very, you know, always that most agile. And so, yeah, there's this sense of um, I think a lot of times when we're faced with grief, especially as humans and when when we're kids, a lot of times the first loss we experience is one of a pet. And so I think that also just really hit me when it's like when that cat said that it was just too much i was already crying but that that started a, another wave of tears yeah
1: and i think like this is a good moment for us to just like let everyone at home know that like the point of this podcast is that we are getting into games in a very like critical and right uh, intentional way and that's going to require us to connect to like personal things that are happening that's why we have kind of this discord community people are sharing about their experiences and the chance to respond like newsletters if you have things that you want to put in comments that is of course acceptable as much as you are comfortable with but Mm -hmm. i think it's important that if we're going to talk about these games that are tackling emotional issues we're going to have to sometimes talk about like hard things and like hard things in real life.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, that's what makes these things powerful. Right. right. Because, um, whatever medium it is, book, movie game, they are an avenue for us to share an experience and then open up about our right. own. Yes, so exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. And then we take this journey and essentially we, we keep ascending and wake up in the hospital that's the end of chapter five. <laughs> we we have done it. Um, things aren't one hundred percent better, but we have the ability to move on. Mm-hmm. And I right. think that's the big thing: is that there is going to be a future for Raya.
1: Yeah. And you get to see her on the bridge again, which is, like, the bridge scenes always, like, I took a picture of every one of them. They were just, like, really, like, a beautiful, like, way to illustrate the space and time that we were in. Yes. um, It was really powerful to me.
0: Yeah. In the epilogue, and I can't remember if I call it epilogue or chapter six when we play it as a community, but um, in that epilogue, we do have the opportunity to see, we don't know how many years later, but some significant time has passed. Yep. Raya and her mom are packing up and getting ready to move out of the house, and Raya even says, "I hope the next people who live in this house have better memories of it than Ugh, I do."
2: Yeah, um,
0: which, oof, relatable relatable. Um, and you get an opportunity to walk through the town one last time and see everyone in the village uh, who's impacted you in the subconscious. I guess for the first time in yeah, real life, in real life <laughs> in the real
1: physical space. Yeah, How, was there anything about that moment that like really stood out to you?
0: Um, I think just the nature of change Mm. and of time moving forward. What was really interesting is we've spent so much time in this city, uh, seeing the ways that it had become different, more modernized in some respects. The bridges were updated. There are new shops, more food carts. The pastry chef did pursue, uh, Chinese Chinese cuisine. cuisine. There is these little details about how life keeps moving on, um, that just became really poignant to me as we were walking through and seeing also all of your friends or not friends, but people you saw in the constructs. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, the outside noise distracted my brain for a little bit. Um, The people that you saw in the construct, seeing them in their older sense of selves Mm -hmm. and their older selves um, was really healing in some way Uh, because we've gone, we've gone through this journey. We've had sort of this experience of them uh, treating raya poorly and as a player we're you know defending her this entire time so seeing this growth has really was really powerful
1: yes that makes total sense and i think for me mm-hmm. just like being back in the physical reality like you're in the same town that you started in, in the prologue right right instead of the map that we had all memorized from like playing through chapters one through five you're right. back in the prologue map and i think connecting it back like it's the prestige, right? Like it's bringing everything mm-hmm. back to where we started, that like hero's journey, that cycle, like in, though she is now ready to move on to the next place, I think right. recentering back where we started, uh, there's something about that that shows it's like, there's some connection between your place and how you heal. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was like, that, that was what really stood out about that moment.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, as you walked through and chatted with everyone, um, was there anyone that stood out in particular? Did you feel any specific way as you went through the community members?
1: You know, I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. i uh, I'm bad with memorizing things like this. And in general, and i I don't know, i don't I don't recall. So mm-hmm. was there something that stood out for you?
0: Um, I think. Just one of the interactions that really stood out, uh, just because I I kind of chuckled at it, uh, at the honesty of of Raya, but when we talk to Lulu, Lulu starts bringing up like, oh, so-and-so is doing this now, and -and so-and-so doing that now, and Raya just interrupts Lulu and is like, I don't really care about them. They were never my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honest, that straightforwardness and that blunt honesty, I have I found very amusing. And I was honestly kind of proud of her yes. for just being like, that's not for me, but I would love to hang out with you someday.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and so it was nice to see them again. What happens when you grow out of high school and you move into college mm-hmm. and you start seeing people um, outside of the lens of being in that school system? Yeah. Uh, and it was I, I really liked their interaction I liked that Eric was petting a cat and, you know, you could sense, you know, they still weren't, they weren't best friends, but, um, just seeing Eric look a little bit more healed. He looks a little bit happier. So Mm. you wonder what maybe happened to Eric that hopefully, hopefully something good happened where he has grown up and, um, is able to come out of what was a pretty unhappy childhood and maybe be happier as an adult.
1: That's really good. Yeah. I'm glad you called those out. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) yeah. But we then were on the bridge and the credits roll. And I'm curious, you probably didn't get the the, the true ending after no, the credits, right? No, I didn't right? get it. No. Okay. And I'll only share it because I went, again, I went back, played it, tried 100% it because I heard there was a true ending and I was like, I bet you it's if I 100% everything, I'll get it. So I'm going to do that. And what's really sweet is that after the bridge scene, when the credits roll, um, Raya in the And the epilogue picks up some flowers and takes those flowers to the dock where everything began and basically has this last conversation. Oh, I'm getting choked. Oh, no. Has this last conversation with Atma. Oh, no. And so, (laughs) you know, and she says, you know, the world, everything's changing. The world's really different. But I imagine you'd tell me like to keep moving forward and that's what's going to happen. And it's just such a beautiful just like closure to everything um i just had to share it because it was again i was bawling this entire time like yeah. this is basically an hour <laughs> of me just straight crying yeah. through this game that uh, was beautiful oh
1: my word <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to hop on youtube and see if i can find a, yeah. a version of that because yeah. wow that would be that sounds like a really nice bow to put on
2: mm-hmm.
0: on the
1: whole experience, mm-hmm.
0: and it's still I think even without that I felt personally very satisfied. Oh, I by absolutely the name did. Ending, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I didn't know there was an alternate ending until yeah. I think like a couple of days ago. So yeah,
0: it's just I thought you know it's a nice little thing, and I like that when an ending perhaps adds on versus like maybe not having critical information and then hiding it in yeah. a true ending. Right, I don't right. like it when students do that. So I appreciated that it was like a supplementary thing that did not, uh, not seeing it didn't make me feel, you know, didn't make me feel bad. Um, sure. It was just like a bonus when I did yeah. realize it was there.
1: Oh, Very nice. I love it.
0: Yeah. So any final thoughts, I guess we, this is our second game we finished together. Heck yes. hey, hey. Um I'm curious, just final thoughts on the game itself. Kind of what, what are you coming away with after playing this title?
1: I think uh, for me as like a, I'll answer this as a, as a gamer first, mm. which is um, I think I'm very quick to write off games when their mechanics do not meet the mm. style of game I am immediately drawn to. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those, one of those gems that has shown me that's like, if you allow yourself to experience the story and like understand what the like, the, the creator's intentions are mm-hmm. it's a great way to find appreciation even in like game types and mechanics that you are not really drawn to mm-hmm. as a gamer that I think was a really important takeaway for me yeah as a human who is constantly <laughs> dealing with uh his own personal baggage and new baggage that gets dropped off at my doorstep um or that I'm packing oh, no. myself I think having a reminder that it is it is important to check in with yourself and um, notice what my therapist tells me to do, like find patterns of behaviors that are and are not serving you mm-hmm. and then figure out like, well, where did those patterns start from? I think that's such an important part of um, at least in my own life, my own practice it has been an important part of understanding Moments from my past and mm. behaviors in my present and how they are interconnected. Mm. And I think this game was a really important um, chance to, to live into that. Yep. How I, about you?
0: Oh, man. I think I really appreciated because this is the first title that we've been able to get the context, like you mentioned, with talking with Damas. and... Um, I think having that context really grounded a lot of my appreciation and understanding of the game itself. Um, and it made me really firmly believe in and excited for all of the titles we'll be able to do that with. Because I think um, just as a whole and as you know, co-organizer of this uh, club, it's really important to me that we find ways to contextualize the media we consume. Mm-hmm. And so I think this more than um, our last month's selection because we didn't have that interview, right? right, right? right. We didn't talk with the developer. Um, it really made me appreciate sort of this hope and goal that we, like, we've come into with this club. Um, so from that sort of meta perspective there. But as a player of this game, I just really appreciated the vulnerability in which they created this story and the way that they shared this part of themselves. Like this, this is a game nobody else could have made. This is a game that is so specific. And in that it became, I think it's maybe one of my favorite games that I've played in a long time because of the specificity. Yeah. Um, And I really appreciate that it did allow for us to reflect on what it means to, have aspirations and goals and plan for the future, um, and in what ways can we do so that maybe are less uh stressful to ourselves, I guess to put it mildly. Ooh,
1: fanoofa. That's a good one. Fanoofa. That's a good one. Ah. Uh, real quick, I think that last comment reminds me like um Neil Gaiman has a uh an essay that he writes mm. about um how if you are a creative, it can feel overwhelming mm-hmm. to create because it's like, well, everything's been been said before.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, the the thesis of this particular piece is that like no one has your voice, and so yeah. as long as you are writing something that is kind of true to you, then you are writing something that's never been written before. Or You're mm-hmm. building or making something that's never been made before. And your last statement just like really reminded me of that.
2: Mm-hmm. So if
1: you find yourself on the fence about creation and the value of your voice no one else has got it so just do uh, it yeah just do it
0: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful note to end on for today. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, good good closing closing statement there. Yes, uh,
1: housekeeping things.
0: Yes, um, for folks interested, we are going to be starting up our next game at the first week of the month. I'm not going to say the date because I do not have a calendar in front of me. But <laughs> if you are interested in joining this club and participating in the Discord community and looking at the discussion questions that we do, do newsletters for, all of the above, uh, please just find us at geeksandgrounds.com. Um, that's where everything is housed, and you can click through and sign up for the newsletter and uh, get those in your inbox every Tuesday. And um, you can find us on social media at geeksandgrounds on Twitter, and Instagram and Facebook. I believe those are the big three that we're on. Mm-hmm. I think technically we have a TikTok. We have not posted anything on there yet. Nothing on there yet. <laughs> no. But we'll get there someday. But we'll get there. And if you want to follow that too, feel free. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're working our way up. Um, so that is that housekeeping. Just make sure to sign up. Um, I guess where can folks find you if they're interested in hanging out outside of the club?
1: Uh, find me at my grand faloon. Uh Looking forward to chatting with y'all. And uh, a special shout out to everyone who contributed to the Discord yeah. uh, over the last several weeks. It has been so fun getting to chat with everyone oh gosh, and like hear yeah. people's perspectives on this. Uh, and we also have like a monthly yes. conversation. Yeah. A monthly is it? Hangout. A hangout.
0: It's the last. <laughs> this is a convoluted statement that I swear does make sense. It is the last... Saturday of the full week of the month.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the last Saturday. But again, of if the you full just full week of the month. Of the month.
0: <laughs> but if you follow the newsletter. It's all in there. It's gonna be in there, and that is probably the easier <laughs> way to figure it out. Yeah. Uh so. last time
1: we had a handful of people that were able to hop on. We all talked great. with them live. So people hopped on like the virtual stage and shared mm-hmm. some of their experiences. It was a really great time. We'd yeah. love to hear from you on this game as well. So yes. uh Just go to geeseandgrounds.com, easiest way to find all the information for all of this and all the context for how to sign up for everything.
0: Yes, and actually I realized I have a phone in my hands and I can look at a calendar. So for anyone interested, because we're going to post this before the Hangout. Mm -hmm. So if anyone wants to hop in the Discord and join the Hangout live, that is going to be on March 25th at... 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. So, again, if you listen to this podcast and it is not yet March 25th, 2023, uh, (laughs) you can hop into the Discord and join us for a live chat. It's for an hour. It's just us hanging out and sharing thoughts, as Joel said. And, yeah, honestly, this community is definitely, like, my bucket list of little ordinary joys. I think this is extraordinary. I don't think this Ooh. is ordinary, but uh, this community and this club is definitely one of my joys. So,
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you, Joel. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> where can people find you, Jenny?
0: Uh, folks can find me on Twitch, TikTok, and YouTube at Kim Chica. Um, and they, again, mostly can find me on the Geeks and Grounds stuff, because that's kind of where I'm, I'm putting a lot of attention at this point in time.
1: So last month, we thought we had the perfect closing statement, but we have a new one. We do? We will always. Oh, and my goodness. <laughs> here's, are we ready for this?
0: I am. Dun, 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 dun.
1: <clears throat> Don't be nerds in the air. Be geeks on the ground. This has been Geeks and Grounds.
2: That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks, everyone. Thank you,
0: everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.